Hello everybody and welcome back to season 10 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, it's Matthew Stogden. Money's not going to fix this. That film is sobbing its eyes out and I don't know what to do. If only it had a good sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent work there, Matthew. Excellent work. And joining Matthew and I, also as always, it's Tim Matum. Matt, I'm sorry I laughed at you that time you got diarrhea at Zack Snyder's Justice League. And I'm sorry for telling everyone about it. <laughs> and I'm sorry for repeating it now. <laughs> Tim, trust fall into me, it's fine. <laughs> There's a film you don't want to get diarrhea and it's the four hours of Zack Snyder. Well, to be fair, that means you don't have to watch the movie. Is that a blessing escape. or a curse? Yeah. I've had some... Moments where I've timed my loo breaks, like, hmm, this seems like the lull between the second and third acts. I'm just going to nip out right now and come back. And I have missed key things before, but I've, I've also timed it perfectly a few times. I'd argue that you just have a four-long hour shit and avoid Zack Snyder's Justice League altogether and you'll be fine. I've, I've been... I vomited three films. Um <laughs> <laughs> what the, what a beginning? We are going to get to the episode, ladies and gentlemen. Don't worry, but this, this is, is important stuff. This is, this is this is this is we've gone into the realms of this is not help us We're deep um, into outtake. But let's but, yeah. So three films I vomited in. Uh, there's no arguably no connection. Mission Impossible, one, one. Wow. Sphere, right. <laughs> one. And- <laughs> <laughs> No, you didn't, not, it wasn't not a sphere, sphere two hypersphere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Babel. Wow, what a weird combination. It was purely just down to being ill and eating Maltesers and Coke and a bad combination. Not quite the uh, pissy shitties like they have in America. Oh, where fuck's it's sake, that nonsense. The no. popcorn and Pepsi combination. Subsequently, I have, I have m- memories of each of those movies and they are literally, mem- they, they have an almost Pavlovian effect. Of like, <laughs> wow. But I like yeah. the films. They're all really good. Well, Sphere's all right. I uh, I bathed twice during Spectre because I was <laughs> so horrendously hungover, uh, and I went with my parents, and I just had to exit twice to just go throw up in the bathroom. I would also say that if you're going to go for a poo during Justice League, you should as soon as the hot dog enters slow motion, you can go and take a really <laughs> long poo, and then by the time you get back, the hot dog will no longer will still be in slow motion, but it will be just about to land. Okay. Brilliant. That's a really harsh way of uh, talking about Momoa. Anyway, um... <laughs> <laughs> he's a hot dog. I should point out that my my vomiting. Uh, I never made it to the Kazi for any of those three experiences. Oh dear. My logic of like I really want to watch this film is I didn't want to leave. So in uh, Mission Impossible, I vomited on myself. I think I was. Wait, 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 wait. I didn't know there were options of like. Yeah, I was twelve. Myself, floor, or like other people I was with. Oh, oh, Ma- oh Matthew. So I got so all over myself. Uh huh. I assume that was default, by the way. That was just my assumption. I'm fascinated that there are other options. <laughs> the second option was I think I can get out of here, and that was Sphere, and I feel like that might have been the same year, if not the year later. And maybe the year earlier. Point is, I ran out of that fucker, and <laughs> I didn't make it. I was, it was uh, the Odeon in London, and uh, yeah, it's been near, uh, near Highbury. And um, I just, there's a really, reason to bring this because there's a really beautiful lobby with this really old theatre sort of mm. uh, decor. And there's me running through, and they're like, Are you okay? <laughs> right on the wow. middle of the floor in the middle of the concession stand. And I looked at them like a fucking panicked fox, went, <laughs> and ran away. Back to the film. Um, 
And when I came out, I said, are you a little boy that threw up? And I went, no. Um, I'm the man who threw up. <laughs> the third time was... Just um, a little boy. ...was Babel, and I was obviously... I was an older man by that point. I might have been in my 30s. But uh, still vomiting in cinema. Still vomiting. <laughs> You've learned and nothing in the previous 20 years. I was like, years. I want to be sick. <sighs> I don't want to miss things. There's a lot of interconnected plot. I'm going to go outside. And I got to the base of the doorway in, 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 the, in the Odeon and Orange. I went, mm, no one's around. And I just turned my head sideways and vomited into the bin. <laughs> wow. I thought, that's pretty much all of it out there. I've got some water back in my seat. I'll go back. But uh, there, there we go. So I've never vomited in a toilet at the cinema. Mean Girls! Yeah, toilet wasn't even an option. That didn't even occur to me. Fucking hell. It was other people, other places, yourself. Never the bathroom or the or toilet. <laughs> or places where sick is supposed to go. A logical Matt, place. Matt's love of cinema just overrides his body's, <laughs> like, <laughs> sense of when he should exit a room. Accurate, accurate. Well, on this week's episode, we are fixing the straight to TV slash DVD slash whatever the fuck it came out on. <laughs> Would have been DVD at that point. Mm. Mean Girls 2. Yeah. The sequel to the, I think, teen classic of the mid-2000s. Most but, definitely a classic. But mm. good lord, Mean Girls 2 is a big piece of shit. And a underwhelming sequel, as we are often want to do here. We're kind of back on the bad sequels to good movies thing now, thankfully. We don't have to watch a bunch of shit to get to even more shit. Because thanks to some of our executive producers who have picked some films, we've just got a lot of dross to sort through. Whether that was Alien vs. Predator, and also Alien vs. Predator Requiem, and another one coming up later on in the season that I dread to even mention. <sighs> yeah, we've got a lot of stuff. But thankfully, I had an excuse to rewatch Mean Girls for this one, yeah, so that was nice. because the other <laughs> Patreons saved us. Exactly, because this episode was voted for by our patrons. They actually had a choice of three different films. You had Bring It On, the sequel, American Pie, the sequel, or Mean Girls, the sequel. And they chose Mean Girls. So thank you, patrons. <laughs> I think that's probably my that's my favourite first film of the three options. So I'll Yeah, ranking-wise, Mean Girls just pips out Bring It On. I, th I think I prefer Bring It On to oh, Mean like, Girls. It, Tim's very much a Bring It On kind of. But yeah. yeah. Emma's a Bring It On kind of person. Yeah. yeah. Maybe also, we'll, we'll, we'll get to them eventually. Not maybe, yeah. maybe you can do Bring It On in the future, Tim. How yeah. about that? <laughs> but yes, thank you patrons for voting on this When we get round to doing Mean Girls 2 Oh, here we are This film is terrible oh, It is, it is fucking awful. terrible Yeah, And as I said, it was voted for by the patrons And if you'd like to join those patrons You can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers Where you get to vote on episodes Every time, every season We get a choice, we get three movies and Only the patrons can decide what we will fix If you become an executive producer You actually get to pick exactly what we're going to be fixing which we have already done a couple of times this season and we'll be doing another time later on in the season as well <sighs> every time i mention it, it it fills my heart with dread and you also get exclusive merch discounts on merch early access ad free episodes and all of our bonus outtakes and movie commentaries we still have one more movie commentary coming up later on in the season and we've already done a star trek into darkness movie commentary and an alien versus predator requiem commentary as well so Plenty of bonus stuff there for you on Patreon, just from this season alone. And you also have access to all the previous bonus stuff as well. So, like, hundreds of hours of, of outtakes and commentaries at this quite, point, I think. Quite probably, probably at this point, yeah. <laughs> so 
but it's a whole smorgasbord of other stuff, including our summer movie draft that we did last year was included in our uh, Patreon outtakes, and we've just started another one this year as well. So yeah, we will be running that through and and checking in on it every now and then, seeing how we're doing throughout the summer. And basically, what if you want to know more about it, go and check out the Patreon. Basically, it's it's me versus Tim versus Matt picking movies for the summer, and who's going to win? We'll find out in like September, basically. So. Yeah, go to patreon.com slash sequelizers. You get some movie draft, get all the outtakes, all the bonus stuff. And as I mentioned, you might be able to even pick an episode if you become an executive producer, just like these fine folks have done. Fall for you! Stuart Maine. You go, Glenn Coco. That is so fetch. Marcus Lindstrom. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. See, this is the color I want. This is Xenos. He's almost too gay to function. James McDowell. She is one of the dumbest girls you will ever meet. Damien sat next to her in English last year. She asked me how to spell orange. <laughs> that little one? Jonathan Firth Clark. She's totally rich because her dad invented toaster strudel. Crushing Wieners knows everybody's business. She knows everything about everyone. That's why her hair is so big. It's full of secrets. Hey, hey, and evil takes a human form and- Hyper Dude Man. Because she may seem like your typical selfish, backstabbing, slut-faced hoe-bag, but in reality, she is so much more than that. She's the queen bee, the star. Those other two are just her little workers. Regina George. How do I even begin to explain Regina George? Josh van der Sluis. It's flawless. Philip Morgan. I hear her hair is insured for $10,000. Josh Miles. Here she does car commercials in Japan. One time. Colin Thompson. Punch me in the face. It was awesome. Thank you for your support, executive producers. You make this season possible. You make the show free for everyone else. Everyone on Patreon and all of your support makes all of our merch and stuff possible. By the time you hear this, we'll be coming up to the end of the month of our fifth year anniversary. We will have our live stream coming up soon where we'll be launching some new bloody merch, which I'm very, very excited for. We just got the final confirmations from John the other day, and we've sent them off to the t-shirt printing company, and good lord am I excited for this new t-shirt and some other merch as well that I've been working on. So, uh, well, we, sh- we should note, uh, if people, if people are, have noticed a, a slight audio distinction in this episode, we should say we're back to remote recording mm. just for this one episode, because it's three days before Jack's wedding Woo. and I had a potential COVID contact. And so we decided <laughs> rather than me ruin the happiest day of Jack's life, uh, we would, we would uh, be sensible. The, the happiest day of my life being reading my Mean Girls 2 pitch. You guys. <laughs> exactly. Because exactly. I'm fixing yeah. it, by the way, listeners. Yeah, we would, we would go for a, a safety first approach. Uh, so we're back in our respective homes doing the recording this time, but we should be back, hopefully, all together, A, at Jack's wedding. Uh, and then B, at whatever next our next episode is. There we go. We should be back, hopefully, fingers crossed. And I'll be back as a married man. Oh, my God. I mean, as you're listening to this, it's already happened. I know, yeah. As, if you're listening to this, this is after my wedding. But, but for us, yeah. recording this the before my wedding. Yeah, you're in the future, listeners. In a way, sort of. But anyway, let's move on to Mean Girls and Mean Girls 2. And I guess I'll kick off because I watched a lot of Mean Girls 1 in my <laughs> life. It's one of those films I've seen a lot, and that's not very common for me. For those of you who have ever listened to this show before and have kind of touched on this topic before, I don't tend to rewatch stuff very much. I try to like consume new stuff and learn new things and all that kind of stuff, whether that's 
books, video games, podcasts, films, all that kind of stuff. But thanks to a teenage girlfriend of mine, I say mm-hmm. that while I was a teenager, I saw the look in Matt's eye. <laughs> not a teenage very, girlfriend of mine. Now very I'm good in my 30s. disclaimer. Thank you. Um, at the time of release, when I was 14 and 15, I had a girlfriend who was similarly aged, and she fucking loved Mean Girls. So we watched it a lot. And then it came up in one, like, one of my English classes. It was one of those, like, it's the end of the year. You can just have a film on for this lesson. And ended up being fucking Mean Girls. So I think I've seen Mean Girls like 10 times, which is somewhere near the record. It's like Wayne's World, Jurassic Park, Mean Girls are probably like my top three most viewed films of all time. Wow. Which is bizarre. But yeah, I've seen the first one a lot. I know most of it word for word. Obviously, it's incredibly quotable, and we'll get into that in a sec as well as we Mm. go go through the synopses and stuff. But I hadn't actually seen Mean Girls 2 until about 10 days ago when I watched it on the DVD that I bought to give away at the end of the season. (laughs) So, yeah, I had no interest in seeing the sequel. Uh, By that time, I was in my 20s and I was like, ugh, girl stuff, cooties, gross, because I was in my 20s, obviously. And yeah, not interested in that because I'd heard it was fucking terrible more specifically. So, yeah, I have seen Mean Girls a bunch of times, especially when it came out and then watched Mean Girls 2 that 16 years later <laughs> something <laughs> like that so yeah uh tim how about you what's your history with with mean girls i'm pretty sure that i saw mean girls in the cinema Ooh. uh because i was i was 18 when it came out and i think by then i had heard i i was pop culture aware enough that i'd heard of like tina fey and was aware that of her kind of as a writer and stuff like that uh and so i think i heard about this film coming out and i also have a have always had a weird kind of fascination with the idea of like teen cliques and stuff like that um i think matt can attest that oh, the the high school we went to was quite cliquey um <laughs> very as so many of them are uh you know there's what a cliques reason were you two in? i can't imagine you two in cliques i was in the foreign weirdo because i was from london <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. I was the token <laughs> minority in the school. <laughs> <laughs> he says as a straight white man. I was, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. A, bit, the a fact straight that white Christian man. Down no the less. road from birth and three generations yeah. was like a bit of a weird thing. Um, Welcome but, to Norfolk. No, it was. I think my clique went from being uh, with the metalheads. That makes sense. To football nerds. As in, nerds. Who would play football? <laughs> the the football managers of the world. Yes. That that game that I fully don't understand. Yeah. I didn't give a shit about football, but I was nerdy. Fair. Mm. Tim, you don't you don't strike me as a football nerd. I'm not gonna lie. No, I mean I was just pretty much straight up nerd, nerd, nerd <laughs> clique. Uh, but yes. Um. So yeah, I I found the subject matter fat- fascinating, and I think I'd actually heard about. I had not read, uh, nor have I now, the book that the film is based on. Because it's actually based on like a sociology slash parenting book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Queen uh, Bees and Wannabes or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so uh, I think I'd heard of that and the idea of like basing a teen film on that uh, with, a, with a decent like kind of comedy heritage behind it. I think I saw it in cinema. If not, I saw it very soon after like it came out. Uh, but likewise, I by the time that Mean Girls two came out, uh, I was aware that it, well, 
I heard about it and I was like, ooh, direct-to-DVD sequel starring none of the original cast members apart from one who was a minor supporting role. Uh, don't think that's going to be any good. So did not watch it until yesterday. Uh, nice. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a, a big old pile of trash. In, Isn't it just? In many, many ways. Uh, but I'm kind of most fascinated uh, for Matt's history because I believe when we were talking about this the other week, Matt floated the idea that it was possibly a film he had not seen. <sighs> he wasn't sure he couldn't recall it. So that's true. That's true. I'm very, I'm very excited to find out whether that's true or not. Um. <clears throat> so with regards to Mean Girls one, I just turned twenty in April of t- two thousand and four, and I was in America and I saw it there. And at that time, I was like, oh. Americans get films months before we do in Britain. I'll watch everything that comes out because, you know, the novelty of saying I could and I did. Uh, and Mean Girls was one I had I, I had zero interest because I was like, you know, metalhead nerd kid who's like a girl's film, mm, like an asshole because you know this is the epitome of a film that's bracketed as one thing but is actually the most uh, very extremely relatable and and. Uh, bashes through the genre and trappings of which it's been confined in by um uh society shall we say mm. it's like oh well, this is a girl's film about girl stuff and it's chick flick it's like um i don't think that's really anything but you're wrong um so yeah i saw it in the cinema in america and then it came out i think in june in britain um and i really fucking enjoyed it it was like extremely funny and i didn't <laughs> really know i knew what snl was but to me snl was uh, Steve Martin and Dana Carvey and stuff and mm. Mike Myers and things. So thinking like, oh, who's Tina Fey? I don't really mm, doesn't mean anything to me. Um, so that was yeah a great experience, and I've I've been extolling its virtues ever since. Basically, I'm banging on about how good Mean Girls is, and people are like, oh, I don't know about it. Like, Give it a chance. I don't have to now because it's a fucking given. It. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, my work here is done. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have that much of an impact. But you know what I mean? Mm. Mean Girls too. So I rewatched it recently because I have seen it before. Why? Oh, fucking hell, Matthew. But we were trying to gauge it because I was like, I don't have any memory of it. And then I was watching it and thinking, I remember all of this. Why? <laughs> I remember Why had you now. seen it? It was made for TV. Because Mean Girls on, like, 1 was good. On, like, I wanted to get ABC a chance. Family. I was, I was like, well, I was wrong with Mean Girls. The only thing How is did you th- have access to ABC Family <laughs> in like 2011 in the UK? I, I literally didn't. It what did it come copy. out on in this country that you had access to? I want, to, know, I want to stop it. <laughs> you better not have fucking torrented this, you absolute maniac. <laughs> Absolutely. No one got my money out of this. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I remember most distinctly the gap. I remember specifically that it was seven or eight years later mm. um, for... for, for you know, it's 2004 to 2011. Yeah. So yeah, I literally, later. literally at this point over a decade ago. You know, around the, still it's still younger than Avatar one though. Um, <laughs> we're still still uh, just yeah. as we got the Avatar two teaser thing. Honestly, what the, the fuck? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I thought to myself, oh well, the first one was great. Maybe this one, I'll give it a chance. In the same way that I, there are so many of these things that go straight to DVD or TV, and it was abysmal and kind of not necessarily unwatchable but i did at one point think oh shit they've got um lynn and ashby this will be fine this will be fine um you know he's fine it's got got johnny cage himself yeah exactly johnny cage Um, 
Yeah, who I always uh, mistake for Tom Paris in Voyager. I can't remember Agreed. the two <laughs> They have, they have the like, same That guy. Oh, it's not him. Um, very limited gene pool. But the point is that... Uh, of, of yeah, white people in America. <laughs> yeah. But um, or it's also known the Stargate SG-1 problem. Uh, when you get those two actors together, like Ben Browder and um, Cumbers, and plays uh, James. Oh Bates, yeah, and, um, Michael Shanks, and you're like, hmm, you guys look the same. One of you better ben grow Browder. a beard. Yeah, yeah. I, anyway. I, yeah. I always think of him as like, uh, discount uh, Luke Perry. Oh, there you go. Yeah, mm. another great example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's probably to be based on a lot of their casting because Luke Perry was so big at the time. So, yeah, I remember so little about this film and it's a good thing i rewatched it because most things i do commit to memory to most part i go actually you know what i've only seen this film once in 2001 but i still remember most of it kind of thing i'm like yeah that's fair sometimes i brush up on a thing to remind myself but this one specifically was a case of i don't remember this fucking film at all and then i watched it and thought yeah now i remember don't i remember it because i bet you in about a month's time i'll be like i still don't fucking remember it because it's (laughs) so dull and so shoddy and cheap it's a, it's not funny at all. Um, <laughs> it which, has jokes, but they are not funny. I, I don't know if it has jokes. Oh, no, it tries. It it has yeah. said, there are definitely said things the, that are said that yes. are supposed to be jokes. Delivered with the cadence of a joke. Correct, but, yes. You know. There are sentences that are delivered with the correct cadence-ish of a joke. And then it's like, deathly silence, tumbleweed rolling. Fuck yeah. You know. But also the story is so convoluted. There's so many different things going on in this film. There's like ideas that would feel like if you took them individually and were like, okay, this is the thing the film's going to be about. There's like three or four films worth of those ideas in here, but they try and do all of them and execute them terribly. I can imagine it slips out of the brain very easily because you're like, hang on, was this was this the film where she's hired to be the girl's friend? Or no, it's the one where they have like the the group of girls that's like the rival No, hang on. That can't be the same film. Yes. Yes. The girls in the pink and the girls in the black. Yeah, that's yeah. That's, that's, it's like Greece two, three, one. And isn't there is it is the one where there's she gets expelled because she stole stolen money? No, I must be thinking of something different. I must be thinking no, that's, of like... That's, an... that's a different team. Yeah. They can't possibly be in the same film. Yeah. I think a lot of it for me comes down to the fact that the first one is so memorable, so quotable, and also so weirdly grounded in the sense that these don't seem like cartoon villains. Or heroes, for that matter. They feel like actual flawed people from a real school environment. They feel <laughs> legitimate. So Regina George isn't pure evil incarnate she's just a little fucked up and a, a manipulative spiteful teenager um katie's just swept up in all the stuff because that's what we all get like with certain things we want that sort of easy street life we don't want to have to have the hassle of it it just it just works for so many of the characters and yet in mean girls 2 everybody's a walking cliche no one feels like a real person everything's a joke and it what's weird to me is it's always written off as like oh this is such a disney plot not disney plus, uh disney channel or nickelodeon style thing i'm like mm. i'm like I don't know, even like yeah. iCarly and Victorious and, and, and Hannah Montana stuff had clear punchline set up <laughs> joke stuff. It, st- it felt uh, like uh, actual, yeah. actual comedy rather than whatever the fuck this nonsense is. A level of quality that they maintain that this just yeah. does not have. 
Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I think you've nailed the, the tone there with the attempt at Disney Channel. It doesn't even reach those kind of like... Because we see the success of like High School Musical and all that kind of stuff that goes through that process. iCarly being another perfect example. So many successful things and so many successful actors start off as in those kind of Disney Channel teen bollocks. And for better or worse, some of them are good, some of them are bad. People will still carry on and become actors and become successful and all this kind of stuff. This just feels like it's trying to do that, but doesn't really know what its audience is, mm-hmm. who it's like being written by. Is it a bunch of like... Because I think you nailed it earlier, Tim, like having Tina Fey as the the driving factor, like the primary writer on Mean Girls and adapting it from the book and all that kind of stuff. You have so much more focus and direction. And this one just goes all over the place with like multiple different writers and no real like grounding on anything to base it on. It's just like, oh, there's a bunch of girls at school and they wear stuff and bully each other and oh god. Also NASCAR for some reason. <laughs> um, fucking hell. Okay. <laughs> to talk about the, the Disney Channel original movie type thing, a couple of the cast members, I can't remember if they've had starred in stuff beforehand or went on to, but are connected to notable like Disney Channel stuff. They are. The, yeah. uh, I believe the, the, the kind of the, the deuteragonist of this film is in uh i believe she is the the villain of camp rock correct yeah megan uh, martin is the is the villain of camp yeah. Rock and camp rock 2 final jam yeah mm-hmm. have you know uh and someone else was like the best friend in the wizards of waverly place which was the selena gomez one of selena gomez's like series that she was in mm-hmm. um but yeah i think it's mean girls but notice such... all the notable stars of those things these are not them. They are the no, supporting roles. We're not every saying time. Selena Gomez and yeah. the, the lead in Camp Rock. It's the other one in Camp Rock. Yeah. And yeah. that one that who was friends with. Because you have like Demi Lovato and Joe Jonas in yeah. Camp Rock. Like actual famous yeah. people. They, they ain't in Mean Girls too. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, nope. But I think like Mean Girls is a is is a justified classic you know we're almost we're coming up on it being 20 years old and it's still held up as one of the best teen movies and i think yeah it was marketed as an this extremely pink object Mm. you know uh and and like matt says you kind of you know a lot of people especially like teenage boys would glance at it and say you know oh pink Mm -hmm. uh clearly not for me but it really it sits in the kind of the heritage of these films like Clueless and mm. Fast Times at Ridgemont High and stuff like that, which, while they do tend to be marketed more at girls, really they're for every teenager. Like there's yes. there's something for everyone to enjoy there. It's high school life, and it? it's that's yeah. the sort of yeah. And I think that Mean Girls is weirdly comparable to Ghostbusters. Whoa, hold on, because <laughs> they're both interesting. They're both coming from Saturday Night Live alumni. Or people who were actively working on it at the time. I'm not no, sure no, how the yeah, timeline yeah. works out. They are both taking something that is kind of so. In in the case of Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. uh, we all know that Dan Aykroyd really loves his supernatural shit. So he was taking that aspect of it very seriously. Plays up to the writer's strengths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in Mean Girls, you have an an acad- quite an academic, even though it's kind of pop psychology, pop sociology type stuff, but a serious text that the film is based on and so a lot of the stuff in it is rooted in very real life and stuff like the three-way call that they do in it is taken from anecdotes from that book about like mm. how 
how girls of that age would bully each other and manipulate each other. Yep. Mm. Um, and so they're both kind of movies where the the underneath of them is taken very seriously. Like Ghostbusters is kind of just a straight supernatural action film. It's just being done by people who are extremely funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. we and we talked about that on the Ghostbusters episode. I think that's why that work that tone works so well for that. Right? Yeah, you've nailed and, it. And there's a level where Mean Girls is this like examination of like teen girls and how they how they act towards each other and and this kind of you know it, there's an alternate world where you could have a very serious adaptation of this book that's a very kind of like gritty drama um about you know teens being horrible to each other and it's closer to something like Euphoria or something like that. Mm. But you're getting these young comic actors, you're getting older comic actors in supporting roles, and you're making it this funny thing. Um, so I think, and I think that Mean Girls 2, among the many reasons it falls down, is because it's not trying, it doesn't treat any of the, like, the psychology of the characters with any impact. It's, it's trying to be a photocopy rather than trying, rather than treating the material with, with the same kind of a level of fundamental respect that Mean Girls yep. has. It's, yeah. So, should we move on to the synopses and get into Mean Girls yes. 1, Mean Girls 2? Mm. In case you listeners out there haven't seen the teen classic and it's fucking terrible sequel. I know a lot of listeners are either older or younger than us, but we do have a fair few listeners in a similar sort of age range, so mm. I'm sure plenty of people have, but I know we have quite a few younger listeners, if the Discord is anything to go by, who were, like, barely alive when the first film came out, which makes me very upset. So I, I yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know where it is in terms of like streaming, like who it belongs to. That's um, Paramount. Paramount. Oh, so so we so don't have Paramount, Paramount Plus here. Yeah. So I doubt it's it's streaming at the moment. Or if it is, it's maybe on like Sky or something weird. Yeah, Amazon. Uh, maybe. It is on it is on Sky, I believe. Let me just double check. Yes, it's Sky Cinema here in the UK, which you can get through Now TV as well. Yeah. Um. But I Which would again, say by the way, I, I, the reasons that it's Paramount, I think, is because Lorne Michaels was told by Tina Fey to buy the rights to the book, and yes. NBC produced it. I think their parent company is Paramount. Right? right yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. Because that, that, I think it was Tina Fey read the book and went to Lorne Michaels and was like, "We should make this make into this. a movie." Mm, yeah. yeah. Lorne Michaels, being you know incredibly well connected in Hollywood, mm-hmm. was like, "Yep, we will Done. do this." Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and because it's a parenting book, it's not going to be expensive to uh, get the rights. Yeah, to nobody's going to give a shit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I think I think Mean Girls has had a fairly, it's got a legacy in the same way that like the Breakfast Club has, where it, like the Breakfast Club came out, you know, when a couple of years before I was born, and I still saw it when I was a teenager. I think it's had a fairly long last life, but equally, there's bound to be people listening who haven't seen it. So yeah, no, yeah, and also. To- I don't think Breakfast Club got like this huge, extremely well-performing, award-winning musical, like Mean Girls did. True. So, which anyway, uh, you're right. By the way, was... video essayist Sarah Z did a fantastic uh, video essay on the musical and why it's fucking terrible. So, <laughs> oh, really? I've heard it's yeah. really, really good. It, it won a bunch of awards, but it kind of fundamentally changes. Understands. It, it, it does some really good stuff. Does a bunch of shit as well that fundamentally oh. misunderstands a lot of the stuff. So. Fair play. It's yeah, like Fight Club. Feel free to uh, Fight Club the musical. Obviously, is what I'm referring to there. <laughs> uh, Fight Club the video game. Um, sorry, Tim. I keep cutting you off. You're right. People are going to know so much to absorb through the pop People culture, know but the not really know the thing. So, far away. Okay. So, Mean Girls, 2004. Sixteen-year-old Katie Heron moves to Illinois 
after having spent most of her life with her researcher parents in Africa, where she was homeschooled. Joining North Shore High School, she struggles to make friends, but eventually connects with outsiders Janice and Damien. They teach Katie about the school's various cliques and warn her about the Plastics, a trio of mean girls. Hey. Oh, uh, I said the name of the thing. Exactly. They do that in the second film as well. Opa. Yeah. They say the name of the thing. Composed of wealthy but insecure Gretchen Wieners, sweet but stupid Karen Smith, and Queen Bee Regina George. Janice has a special grudge against Regina, but will not explain why. After she's accosted by a student called Jason during lunch, the Plastics defend Katie and take an interest in her, inviting her to sit with them. When Katie tells Janice and Damien about this, they persuade her to befriend the Plastics and spy on them. Meanwhile, Katie falls in love with Aaron Samuels, a senior in her advanced maths class, but is told by Gretchen that he is off-limits as he is Regina's ex. Katie hangs out with the Plastics and learns about a burn book they made filled with rumours and secrets about other students and faculty. Gretchen informs Regina about Katie's fe- feelings for Aaron, so Regina seduces him at a Halloween party that Katie and the Plastic attends. Feeling betrayed, Katie fully commits to Janice's plan to ruin Regina's reputation. They trick Regina into eating nutrition bars that cause her to gain weight and use Gretchen's insecurity to learn secrets about Regina including that she is cheating on Aaron. Yeah, that's a that's a bit I'm a bit uncomfortable with. It's like, oh, she's got an eating mm. disorder, so give her a high-calorie stuff. It's like, yeah. There's, there's, there's a, there's a little sprinklings time. of problematic stuff, but yeah. Yeah. It has aged pretty well, considering it's teens in the mid-2000s, but there are a couple of little bits like that. I'm like, eh, that's not ideal. But Yeah, yeah. We've seen a lot worse from oh. late, later on in cinema's history, so yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and if we were doing the American Pie sequels from Fuck around me. this time, they Fuck would me. be so much worse. I'm not um, I'm not not sure there's blackface in the American Pie movies. There might be. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. I, yeah, especially once you get to the director DVD ones, I wouldn't put it past mm-hmm. them. Katie also learns that Janice's vendetta against Regina comes from middle school when Regina accused Janice, who used to be her friend, of being a lesbian. Aaron breaks up with Regina after learning about her infidelity, and as her reputation diminishes, Katie replaces her as the new Queen Bee. We're obviously jumping over a lot of the like iconic quotes and jokes and bits, mm. um, uh, but it's very funny, <laughs> as I'm sure we'll get into in a moment. Katie throws a house party while her parents are away, inviting the Plastics and their friends, but not Janice and Damien. At the party, Aaron rebukes Katie's advances, saying she's become manipulative. And when Janice just and Damien turned into you're just as bad as Regina, you turned just you're just like her. Whatever Aaron says, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and when Janice and Damien learn of the party, they confront Katie, telling her that she has become as bad as Regina. So there's a brilliant line here that I think um, does a lot of work from Lizzie Kaplan's performance as Janice, and she says. How am I any different to you and Regina? You and Regina did this, and and Janice replies like, "At least we know we're mean girls. You're pretending to be nice to everybody." And it hadn't really occurred to me until watching it like recently for this episode that like Janice is a piece of shit as well. She holds <laughs> this grudge for like ten years, yeah, and plans a genuinely like life threatening, horrible fucking revenge plot on Regina, mm. who is a terrible person, but like 
they're, they're not like good it, and bad. It's 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 bad and bad, and it's Katie being kind of caught in the middle and being dragged in e- either direction. Yeah. I think that's why that film works so well. Yeah, it's the reflection of toxicity in everybody. It's that there are no yeah. innocents, and and the true statement that nobody gets through high school without scarring of some sorts. Yeah, absolutely. Regina learns about Katie's agenda and retaliates by distributing copies of the burn book around the school, causing chaos among the girls of the junior class. With Regina having put herself in the book to deflect accusations in a twist what that... A, what a fucking twist. Oh, it, Even Hitch... better than the name of the dog in I Am Legend. Yeah. Hitchcock would, would, be, would drop his cigar in, in shock. Is a fugly slut. You're like, oh my god, who's she calling a fugly slut? It's gonna oh, be Katie, Hitchcock. right? <gasps> yeah, Regina George. Brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, having deflected the accusations, Katie, Gretchen, and Karen are blamed. In an attempt to restore order, Principal Duval and maths teacher Mrs. Uh, Ms. Norbury gather all the junior girls in the auditorium to apologise to each other. Get the Fan- fantastic Tim Meadows fantastic moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Smashing the fire alarm, going, I didn't leave the South Side for this. <laughs> <laughs> During the gathering, Regina insults Janice, who reveals the plan to destroy her reputation. Regina storms out, pursued by an apologetic Katie, and is struck by a school bus, fracturing her spine, with many of the students believing that Katie deliberately pushed her. I should probably point out she did not push her, but lots of people think that she did. Rumors and schools. Exactly. <laughs> Katie decides to take the full blame for the burn book and is shunned by the school and punished by her parents. However, she gradually returns to her old self and joins the mathletes, answering the tiebreaker at state finals and winning the championship for the school. Because the limit does not exist, everybody. Exactly. Much to the delight of Kevin G. (laughs) Horny little Kevin G. Yeah. just, God love him. At the spring fling dance, Katie is elected queen On stage, she tells her classmates that they are all special in their own way and breaks the plastic tiara, distributing it among the other girls, including Regina, Gretchen and Janice. She repairs her friendship with Janice and Damien, makes up with Aaron and reaches a truce with the plastics who disband and all find new roles in the school. Gretchen goes and hangs out with the cool Asians or whatever they say and I'm like, "Mm, yeah, yeah, that's that's a bit weird. Is she she just tanned? I don't know. (laughs) It's... Not right. <laughs> but you know what? It's not right. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's, it's 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 a very weird. It's a moment. weird little footnote at the at the during the coda of the film. Yeah, it's like, it is. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going, what you're going for there. Yes, I kind of was like, is this person just like, oh, like like a weeb who's like, I was like, no, this feels feels kind of different. Yeah, it's just I, I want to belong to something. I'll belong to. I this mean, she. Group? The ca- the character is extremely insecure, so it makes yeah. sense that she mm. would latch onto a group. It's just weird that they Happen make the Asian. point. And, and, like, the, and yeah. that's their thing. Yes. They have no and... actual personality other than Asians. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then have her being like speaking Japanese or Mandarin or, or whatever she is speaking at the end of the film. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but other... She, she also notices like the next generation of plastics and means like, uh and then imagine them getting hit by a bus. Yes. Mm, wow. Nice that's... nice little dark joke to finish the, the film on. Yeah. So yes, that's Mean Girls. Stone Cold Classic. Yes. Yeah. Abs- great performances by everyone involved. Agreed. Like Lindsay Lohan is probably her best film by quite a considerable distance. Yes. Yes. Well so we got fucking Parent Trap like Parent Trap. That, right. that one she did with that porn star. No, no, thank you. That's Parent Trap too. <laughs> <laughs> She's good in uh, Parent Trap. She's decent in Freaky Friday. Yeah, uh, 
And then, then she's in, that's the list. She's in Herbie with yeah, Michael Keaton. And she's also in some other films. She's in that one with Chris Pine before he was famous. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh the Lo- Just My Luck one. Yep. I saw that in the States. Didn't like it. She's in Bobby. Saw that at the same time. It's oh, the, uh, the Bobby Kennedy Emilio film. Estevez mm-hmm. thing. Yep. Yeah. Basically, yeah. no, she's not. Yeah, this is, this is definitely easily, clearly her best performance yes. and film, etc., etc. And yeah. And, and again, then, she was in like 17 when they were filming it. So she's one of those examples of like, oh my fuck, actual teenager playing a teenager. Mm. Jesus. Yeah. And obviously... There's, there's Ra- a bunch of teenagers playing teenagers. Not all and also Rachel McAdams. <laughs> yeah, Rachel McAdams was already like 27, um, but has gone on to be, you know, in, in great films and, and had yeah. a really successful Rachel career. Great. Yeah. This was like one of the first things that Amanda Seyfried was in. This was uh, her first feature film. Yep. Yeah. Which is crazy. She's so good. And she's still so underappreciated. Mm, she's she's gone on to like bigger and, and better things, like Lacey Chabert. Uh, Lacey Chabert was like already a veteran at this point, mm-hmm. like child actor, wasn't she? Yeah. Child actor, yeah. And she's now the queen of uh, Hallmark, Hallmark Christmas, Christmas movies. movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's done. She's twenty seven or something. Oh like that. Yes. fucking hell! I don't. I don't mean this as a derogatory term, but she's got a face for Hallmark Christmas movies. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's one of she's those that like face pristine American prettiness, like mm. ethnically ambiguous, but like <laughs> very pretty, like you know, in a very American way. I don't know how else to explain it. She's pretty old Europe. Yeah, sure. I I had a big crush on her in Lost in Space uh, from mm. 1998. Fair. She had um, very. Uh, I can't even think of the type of music specifically, but that sort of bubblegum pop hair whereby yeah. it was just, <laughs> yeah. I get, I, Tim, I get it. I get it. Or um, more accurately, young me gets it. Adult me is like, what about Tim? That's a child. <laughs> but yes, uh, and obviously you've got quite a few SNL alum uh, or, or cast members in this. You have mm. Amy Poehler, you have Tina Fey, Tim Meadows, who is yep. just a comedy assassin. Like, he is... Shows up in this. He shows up in pop star. Never stop it. Uh, never oh, stop. Never yeah. stopping. He just always delivers a line that I'm just like, this. Ah, uh, it's you. Pr- you are flawless. <laughs> Principal Duval has just got some fucking fantastic lines. And mm-hmm. as we said, he's the only person who returns for the second one, and not yeah. even Tim Meadows can save the second one. But even the like, oh hey, what did you get up to over the summer? Oh, I got divorced. You know, it's like, oh my. uh Repetitive strain injuries back. Like he's been wanking all summer, principal. <laughs> and then he ha- he has like a cast for the he rest does of the cast, film. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my god, that's such good like little comedic mm. attention to detail. I appreciate that. Mm. And then we come to Mean Girls two. Yeah, 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 Twenty eleven. Eighteen year old Joe Mitchell joins North Shore High School. Hey, it's the same school. Yay. Mm. Having attended multiple schools in the past few years due to her father's job as a NASCAR mechanic. Mm-hmm. I don't fully understand that, but sure. I will say yeah. again, Megan Martin at this point, or Megan Mark, I can't remember her name. I think it's Megan. Megan. I think it's a Megan, isn't she? Fuck off with Megan. But either way, she was like 19 or 18 when they shot this. So again, teenager yep. playing a teenager. I, I mm. got to be like, applaud it somehow. Mm. She reminds me so much in this film, mm. uh, primarily the way her voice sounds, of. Uh, Kristen Bell. Oh, uh, definitely. Oh, interesting. In the, yeah. uh, uh, in the, especially in the like uh, first season of Veronica Mars, because mm. there's also I like, like Gossip extensive... Girl days as well. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. like a lot of voiceover in this film. And... XOXO, Gossip Girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I couldn't shake that. It felt like she was being dubbed at certain points. Um, mm. There is some. There is some noticeable ADR in this there's, movie. Yes, <laughs> there's some some pretty. <laughs> you are not ADR. wrong, sir. I did. I there was a point where I was watching it and I was like. 
I won because there's a lot of uh, Tim Meadows appearing via video screen. Yes, and then I was and trying he, to work his, out and his back to the camera. Yeah, as well. mm-hmm. I was like, was he ever actually on a stage with it, like on a sound stage with any of these other actors, or was did he they just... have him for like a day? And he was like, yeah. for fuck's sake, yeah, I guess got it in some contract somewhere where I have to come back for Mean Girls too. <laughs> What's the minimum amount I can do? Fuck's sake. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so yes. On her first day, she encounters the plastics composed of hypochondriac Hope Plotkin, promiscuous Chastity it would, it Maya. Would fit in very well in the last couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> just washing her hands all the time and stuff. Like, yeah, that's all yep. of us now. Yeah, that's just sensible. Well, it was. Um, I think everyone's gone back to just basically just being filth, coughing True. each other's mouths True. and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. You know how uh, we did back in the good old days. Yeah. Of the thirteen hundreds. <laughs> and Queen Bee Mandy Weatherly, uh, despite just her po- not exciting names, I don't know why, <laughs> but Mandy Weatherly not is not characters. Regina George, is it? Even just, their outfits yeah. don't feel. I mean, it's 2011, but there's some fucking oh, clear... the plastics outfits when they walk down the hallway, mm-hmm. and it's just like some bullshit late 90s off the nonsense. rack shit. <laughs> yeah, off the rack here in the UK. Claire's accessories bollocks. Yeah, for 2011, it's like, it's like mm. these are supposed to be the cool ones. These are yeah. the rich, popular girls. They should have the yep. hottest, coolest shit in the entire school. And they've just wandered out of Claire's accessories in like 2002. <laughs> yeah, it's the fact that it hasn't moved with the times at all. Like seven years is a long time in teenage time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's generation basically. Katie's in yeah. a fucking got a fucking job now. She's like yeah. in her twenties. She's would have gone finished university by this point. Like, the, the junior plastics who we see at the end of the first film would have graduated yes. and had a whole new generation go past. There we go already. Yep. Like the yeah, so crazy. Yeah, so uh, despite her policy of avoiding drama, Joe draws the attention of the plastics. And witnesses Mandy bullying Abby, a wealthy but artistic girl that Mandy considers a rival in this very weird... Weird. Yeah. yeah. We're about to get some weird shit, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Joe meets Tyler, a boy in her advanced shop class, and falls in love with him. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. But only because he's attractive, because he's outwardly yeah. quite sexist and dismisses her immediately. Yeah, yeah. he's he's a shit... Shit heel? He's a shithead. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. He's just like everyone in her shop class is like the teacher sexist. All the oh, boys I think are sexist. You're looking for home ed, home ed class yeah. in the next room. It's like, and I actually quite like the line from uh, from Megan mm. ugh, from mm. Joe, who says like, ah, I appreciate the off the cuff sexism, but I'm actually supposed to be here for mm. wood class, or whatever the fuck it's called, wood shop, wood shop. Thank you, yeah, for yeah. shop class. Like, I, I remember yeah. very distinctly. I mean, my high school days, being from like the mid 90s onwards and we had uh, woodwork as it's called woodwork and uh metalwork and there were mixed classes boys and girls it was never a thing i'm like no in 2011 has that ever been a thing where it's been a mixture i mean outside of the 70s i don't it's such a weird like a classic like old this men wrote doesn't this know kind of when it is actually no yeah. it was all written by women so i can't say that it was written by old women i think well, this second movie, second one was a woman. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh uh, no, no. Unless Cliff Ruby is a woman. Ah, yeah. there we go. Was yeah. My apologies. There. No, Cliff there Ruby is a woman. I apologize. Oh really? Yep. Fair play. It's entirely it, female uh, writing Jack. stuff, and and a female director as well. Mm. Unbelievably enough, mm. still kind of sexist and terrible. But like yeah. I said, they do actually have that. There's there's brief there's an acknowledgement of things. Yes. Of like as much as they appreciate that sexism, I was like, oh, okay, she's going to stand up for herself, and then that doesn't mm. matter at all. You know, oh, okay, brilliant. Yeah, and and <laughs> again, just to reiterate, the boy that she falls in love with 
is constantly sexist too. Actively <laughs> sexist, yeah. Later, she gives Abby a ride home and meets Abby's father, who is desperate to make his daughter happy, so he offers to pay for Joe's college tuition in exchange for her becoming Abby's friend. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's a spin on the classic, uh, like, not say 10 things I hate about you, but like, go out with the weird girl as a bet thing, and then they find out it's a bet, but you actually fell in love the whole yeah, time. Yeah, it's, all that the, she's it's all a that. twist on that. I, yeah, she's all that, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Which turns out they did a he's all that fairly recently, which I didn't realise. They did, it was meant to be atrocious. Yeah, with the guy from Cobra Kai in it, which upset me greatly. What? Um, but yeah, it's this weird thing of like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, that's a that's a classic trope and it's like i'm gonna pay you to be friends with my daughters like that's uncomfortable like and it's that's a bit weird it's not just like oh hey uh you know i'll give you 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 guys hang out and i'll like pay for i'll pay for all your you know you go to the cinema i'll pay for it all you go for he gives her like 50 grand in cash yeah and it's like i will pay i will give you a full ride to your university which in america means i'm paying like hundreds of thousands of thousands thousands, yeah. yeah It's crazy. Uh, The fucking 1%. (laughs) So uh, Joe, who hopes to attend her late mother's college, Carnegie Mellon, reluctantly accepts, uh, quickly becoming close friends with Abby. The classic thing. Oh, well, I was paid to do it, but no, I'm actually friends with her. Turns out I'm actually, we Mm. like each other after all, and I should have done it for free. Joe grows closer to Tyler, but learns he is Mandy's stepbrother in a weird... Like, I don't know why that plot point is in here at all, really. Is it a preface for the top porn searches of 2020? (laughs) Certain trends. It does does feel like, well, we can't have them be exes because that's what they did in the first film. We can't just Mm -hmm. do a photocopy of the first film. Uh, And them being being actual brother and sister would be an actual barrier to the relationship, so we can't do that. Yeah. What's a little bit taboo, but kind of kind of sexy, but a little bit taboo. It's it's so it's so weird. Mandy begins harassing Joe, but many of her attempts backfire and lead to Joe becoming more popular. Eventually, she and the other plastics sabotage an engine that Joe's father is repairing, leading to Joe deciding to retaliate. Because as she says in the film, she's like, this isn't just some prank, like this is someone's livelihood. This is my dad's fucking job, she yeah. says. Yeah. Her dad seems to be a met Poor old Lyndon Ashby, who plays her dad, seems to be a real mess in this. He's like, he seems to have invested her college funds in something that's gone south or maybe gambled them away or something and he's constantly like fucking up at work and stuff like that he does not seem to be uh, a particularly good parent he's no uh neil flynn and anna gastaya from the first film <laughs> so joe convinces abby to throw a lavish party the same night as mandy's birthday party drawing all the students away mandy attempts to retaliate by poisoning the peach Mandy attempts to retaliate by poisoning the pizza at Abby's party, but this too backfires and she gets thrown up on, of course, because these films have to have some it, gross it's like gag a in it. Vomiting thing, isn't it? Like an an emetic. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, Abby, and several other outcast girls start a clique called the Anti Plastics and work to break up the plastics, targeting chastity and hope. God, that's lazy. Can we yes. just can we just say that out loud? <laughs> Fuck me. Jesus uh, Christ. Joe also runs as homecoming queen against Mandy, but her campaign puts a strain on her relationship with Tyler, who doesn't like who she is becoming. Much rather that she stay at home and do the housework. Yeah. Um, and that he go out and be the breadwinner. Can you be subservient, please? Thank you very yeah. much. Having become actual friends with Abby, Joe returns the money Abby's father had given her, 
but their conversation is overheard by Mandy, who reveals it to the school. Feeling betrayed by Joe, Abby and the other anti-plastics all turn against her, and Tyler breaks up with her. Doesn't even they? There's the mo the moment of the thing because again, it's one of these classic things of like, oh, really? It's about miscommunication, and you know she's. But there's a, there's a moment where she's like, oh, I didn't. You know this, the the classic thing of like, let me explain. Um, and it railroads over it so quickly because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's such a tiny betrayal that. The, that's like completely <laughs> meaningless. Meanwhile, Mandy and her boyfriend Nick steal charity money that has been collected ahead of homecoming and plant it in Joe's shed, then give Principal Duval an anonymous tip. Joe is expelled and her future at Carnegie Mellon is thrown into doubt. So she tracks down Mandy for a confrontation. She decides to challenge Mandy to a contest where her popularity won't help her. Something where the technically skilled Joe, whose father is a NASCAR mechanic, will have an edge. That's right, you got it. She challenges her to a game of flag football. Yep. <laughs> Everybody's favourite. NASCAR. Yep. Out of fucking game. nowhere. Means nothing. Li- so again, they, they could do something interesting with breaking down gender norms and having it not being a, you know, an obvious kind of female-driven sport or whatever the fuck and do something interesting with it. But they do not and have not set this up whatsoever. Comes out of nowhere. She literally, in the middle of this argument, is like, if you, if you want to really be prom queen, you'll have to, looks around, seize a football player and be like, beat me in a game of football. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Considering how she's fucking describing everybody's weird. cliques and shit, she does it with driving references and her yes. dad with the driving thing and her with the the scooter and I think the opening credits of cars and scooters and you're like, I feel like this should go somewhere. Yes. I feel like if you're just going to be Grease, be Grease. Yeah. <laughs> Football. Okay, right. Okay. Fuck you then. <laughs> Abby realises that Joe is being framed for the theft of the charity money uh, and was a good friend to her all along despite being offered money by Abby's dad. I just like that fuck money. I, who cares? Yeah, the money is. There's so much money like, for college. It's like that changes my life. Shut the fuck that's, up, that's life changing, debt erasing. Yeah. yeah, if you money, d- yeah. if you someone yeah. says like, but you were paid me a friend. It's like, yeah, of course I was. And if it I'm was if it like was fifty quid, I'd be like, oh yeah, f- fair enough. But it's like a yeah. hundred grand, as we said yeah. earlier. So yeah, you you I mean, get a friend, and I'm I'm genuinely your friend now. We we actually bonded, and I get to have an education. <laughs> fuck you. It it also fundamentally has no understanding of like how high school popularity works. That's because true. if you were as rich as like Abby and her family is, mm-hmm. you would not be struggling for. You might be struggling for real friends and be surrounded by a lot of fake people who are just using you for your money. But they play. They make it sound like she has no friends whatsoever and is just alone constantly and miserable. And it's like, no, if you're the richest girl in school, like, you Popularity would just have, your hands hand. you, you would have people hanging out with you just because they wanted to, like, hang out at the big house. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's such a poorly thought through film. Yeah. Without being awful. Uh, fuck it. I don't, I don't care. Teens are remarkably vapid. Yes. Um, that's the whole point. <laughs> it's it's that you have these strong emotional connections and experiences, but the truth is, 
all the superficiality takes precedent because that's how your brain is wired at the time. So suddenly it's the question. That's why you have these like dilemmas of, oh God, what do I do? Whereas an adult would just say, or you know, a mature person would say, that that's not a problem. Like, I, yeah, that's that. What are you talking about? I can I can be friends with you and be friends with them too. That's not a thing. It's like you know, it's impossible. <laughs> Turns out, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it just it just misses all of the spark and sizzle about the first movie. There's no like big quotable moments or iconic characters. There's nothing to really latch onto in terms of motivation or anything like that. Like I said, that push and pull between Janice on one side, Regina on the other, and Katie coming in as the new and being pulled in different directions. That's why that first movie works so well and why the dynamics between those characters work so well is because you don't know who's right and who's wrong and it plays with that, as you said earlier, Matt, those kind of typical high school, this is the end of the world, everything has massive meaning even though nothing really matters at high school. And then this second one is just like... She's cool because she drives a Vespa. And you're like, wait, what? And she does that. There's the, I can't remember what it is, the Mandy, I'm coming to get you or whatever. And she stands next to a Vespa like, just just standing she there for a few seconds. Stance, like, yeah. It's just full on <laughs> power stance. And it's like a really low shot aimed up at her to make oh, it's her a hero shot. Yeah. Hero shot and powerful. Don't worry, audience, nope. we'll, we'll explain how the film ends in a second, don't yeah. we? <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's just, it's got none of the, like, acute observations of teenage life that Mean Girls has. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, well, I guess you can get away with not being as, like, observant and as, you know, have that satirical edge. But is it still funny? No, it's not funny either. There's fucking no good jokes in here. It, yeah, so it just fails on yeah. every level. Anyway, to finish off the film... <laughs> Abby, Tyler, and the other anti-plastics find proof that Mandy framed Joe uh, and join her at the flag football game. Abby scores the winning touchdown and the evidence of Mandy's schemes is texted to the whole school, clearing Joe's name. At the homecoming dance, Abby is elected queen after Joe drops out of the competition and Joe and Tyler share a kiss. We then get a coda covering what happens to everyone, but honestly, who cares? The end. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Fair. Fuck. Fuck this movie. There's like, not to dwell on that code for too long, but it's whole like, someone gets community service and then she begins overcoming her fear of germs and stuff. It's like, everything works out fine. So then they're neutralizing their singular characteristics. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that she does that is, oh, I'm afraid of germs. Now she doesn't have that. Like, what is her character now then? (laughs) After this movie, is she just a fucking blank slate? Like, (laughs) live model decoy? Like, how does this work? She becomes an accountant. I mean, the, as you said earlier, like, there's there's an interesting side to Mean Girls where it's like everyone is kind of shitty to each other. But it also, it that means it has empathy for everyone. Like, as much as Regina George is the villain of the piece, you understand her. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't just, like, dump a bucket, bucket of slime on her head at the end. It goes, no, actually, like, yeah, she's someone who has a lot of, like, has a lot of rage inside her, but now she's on the lacrosse team and she's found a healthy way to channel that out. There and she's go. got friends who aren't as intimidated by her, so their friendship is more genuine. And like she has this path forward to like become like a better person and 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 you know all that kind of stuff. Whereas this film feels so mean spirited, not just in the fact that it's about quote unquote mean girls, but like Chastity, who's who's one of the plastics like is is this promiscuous 
like girl with this kind of libido that's out of control and Get it's it? so chastity yes uh-huh. yeah and it's so uh-huh. horrible about her like all the characters are so shitty to her about it Just it makes slight shame in her yeah. yeah yeah and then at the end it's like chastity finally figured out the meaning of her name and it's like fuck off <laughs> like <laughs> like Oh yeah, it just it, it has no empathy towards any of the characters who it's kind of it's like these girls are mean and therefore they don't deserve our sympathy and fuck them and like yeah, Pretty let's much. watch them get thrown up on and stuff like that. Yeah, cuz at the end of the day as you said already Tim that the in the first film it's not that these are evil individuals, it's that they're school is a thing that's very unique for any experience in in life, if I'm honest, kind of with family, in the sense that you're thrown in with people who are the exact same age as you, which means they're going through very, very similar things at that point in their life. Everyone has the same, a similar-ish experience, arguably, um, and you're put in a box together, and you're told just to get on with <laughs> other stuff. So what do you mean? And, and, and occasionally the box is shaken up and you all just bang into each other and then have to carry on with it. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. the thing is, the fact that all this is going on, you're like, you know, I'm changing, they're changing, you're changing, everything's so different. Um, and we're all going through this thing to collectively, but we don't talk about it and our brain gets rewired and it's all over the place. That's not why we're there. We're there to learn some stuff, which means we don't <laughs> focus on anything. It's the worst fucking experience and also some for some people the best experience. Um, and it's so confusing and when is a time when you've ever done that ever again in your life? When you don't just go, oh, you know what? Fuck this. Or you leave a job. Or you don't have to talk to them outside. It doesn't matter. Mm. It's like, oh, you know, so-and-so's a dick at work and I don't care. Mm. You don't have to have that. Or, you know, they, everyone reaches that weird epiphany at some point where you go, why the fuck are my friends with this person? As we went to school together. Yeah, that's not what I said. Why am I friends with them? Why do I still talk to them? They're a piece of shit. I'm just going to stop talking to them. Well, you know, and I was like, "Why? There's no, I don't. There's no repercussion." And it's one of those weird <laughs> things. Like, I can choose not to do this. And again, in in the first film, it's this idea that these individuals aren't evil. They do awful shit because of the situation, circumstance, and how the you know the, they're all botched together and all that sort of mm. stuff. But again, once they get into sort of more aligned things, they go on their own arc at a certain thing. But they don't change fundamentally who they are. They just get better suited dynamics and situations. Whereas in Mean Girls Two, everyone's a cartoon character, so. It's just, well, we've got to have a resolution. And the resolution is, they were healed. It's like, well, were they sick? Uh, kinda, because we gave them a problem and we fixed it. It's like, that's, again, that's not realistic. That's not, that's not relatable. That's a cartoon. And that's fine. You can do that with tons of things and it works really well, but not with this, based on the fact that the first one was so, I don't want to keep, so identifiable, you know what I mean? It, you yeah, didn't have to go through that specific experience, but you knew of that kind of thing. It felt relatable in that capacity. Yeah. And it, it has that moment where they're all gathered together after the kind of the chaos has erupted. You know, it's not the most like stridently feminist film or like earth shaking, full of earth shaking revelations. But it it get it gets all the characters to say like, "Hey, have you ever had who who here has had someone talk about someone uh, talk you about yeah. you behind their back?" Mm, and it's like everyone yeah. puts their hand up. Who here has talked about someone behind their back? Everyone puts their hand up. And it and you know it has that moment where Tina Fey is like, you know, if you if you keep calling each other these names it just makes it all right for guys to do it to you yeah yeah that's some tina fey shit right there yeah yeah <laughs> you know and it, it 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 does actually kind of start poking at these like these ideas of like pitting women against each other and stuff like that which is constantly done by society mm-hmm. you know and and 
you know, uh, and the film kind of ends with saying, like, the world gets better when you stop seeing these people as your rivals and start seeing them as people who are also going through shit just like you are. And, like, you don't have to get on with everyone, but you can treat them like a human. And and so, like, that's really worthwhile. And then I don't, I, like, what is the point of Mean Girls 2? Find the thing that you can beat the bad person at and do it. Hmm. <laughs> Just arbitrarily making up a bunch of like, oh yeah, so they can do football now, I guess. Like, yeah, right. And it's yeah. so it's just it's going so, through the motions at the end of the day. It's so confused in its focus because, like, you may have got through the synopsis of like, oh, it it uh, Joe's the main character, but then like Abby's also very important to it, and is kind of a more like Joe is so self assured and so mm. like already. She's not sticky. a fish out of water. No, even though she's new to the school and, yeah. and has supposedly come from this like awkward background, that's made her like tough and defensive rather mm. than like socially awkward. Mm. And so she comes in and she she does like she stands up for herself against the the sexist shop talk uh, shop wood shop yeah. teacher and stuff like that. And she's very like you know she's she's very self assured and she has no problems speaking her mind and stuff. So then it has Abby as a character to be that kind of almost more relatable teenager because very very few teenagers are that self-assured and if mm. they are they're probably slightly sociopathic it's like it kind at times it's like why isn't abby the main character of this film like why mm. make joe the cool older friend or something yeah and it does like random stuff like it starts with a flash forward that's like one of these like oh, i guess yeah. you're wondering why i got into this situation yeah. that's not it doesn't create any tension it's just like well, this, this is a weird place to start the film oh and now we're jumping backwards in time yeah it's i'm an 18 year old and this old man's paying me a load of money and i'm like what kind of film is this yeah <laughs> i feel like it's going to take a dark route it, it's full of so many inexplicable decisions that you're just mm. like who who wrote this and how many of them were there <laughs> well it's, you're right Tim, that, that is one of the biggest flaws of this and there are a lot of big flaws but weirdly enough one of the greatest flaws of this movie for me is the fact that Joe has herself figured out. Mm. And I'm like, people get to their early, maybe, well, early 20s, maybe even arguably early 30s and still haven't fucking figured themselves out. For a, for a late teen to do it, piss off. <laughs> what a load of ass. Everyone and everybody in Mean Girls 1, that's the whole unifying factor. That's the, that's the, the equality between them all. It's like, we're all in this situation. It's shit for all mm. of us. But in Mean Girls 2, you're either uh, a cackling bad guy, nonsense, a really, again, cartoonish, uh, pathetic character, or this perfect kid with the perfect... The only problem is that she, her dad's problematic. And like, yeah, as you say, you can't tell if he's just a gambler or just a bad business investor. He still flutters away his fucking kid's education. Yeah. Way, so he's a sort of dick. But the point is, she knows who she is. And I'm like, I don't think teenagers do know who they are. They left, act like they do. They put their confidence on, but this film's supposed to have that inner monologue of like, you know, I know exactly who I am and where I'm going. No, I don't. And yeah. all these kids here the groups. No, no idea what's going on here. It doesn't even do the thing, like the fact that it, it leans quite a lot on the voiceover, which I was like, does Mean Girls have a voiceover? It does occasionally, but not really. Yeah, it uses it very sparingly. Yeah. Whereas this film really leans on it. Hmm. And it doesn't even use that to be like, you know, oh, I may put up a tough front, but like, that's only because I'm, you know, like yeah. really scared. You know, it, it doesn't add anything to the character to have that voiceover. Mm. It just is more exposition, basically. And, and so 
and and because we're getting that internal monologue it means we can't even look at her performance and go like oh she's just putting up this tough front and actually mm. like she's you know she's worried about things and like she's never like they do a whole thing where they like weirdly for a film that is so it has a very like old sense of uh like teenage sexuality and especially female sexuality because it's like it shames chastity for having too much sex but then yep. there's also a bit where where Joe is shamed because she's a she's a virgin, and it's like yeah, so are a lot of eighteen-year-olds. Like they don't Most have this kids, reaction. Yeah, either lie about their experiences or have shit experiences because you're you know yeah. kids. Fuck's sake. Um, just to put a bit of context here, to, just to wrap up before we before we move on to the second half and things. A year later, Twenty One uh, Jump Street came out. Yeah, and that film got it right. That film understood <laughs> that it was fucking shit the first time round, and the next time round, things have changed so much fundamentally that your old methods are like, oh god, oh god, I'm so lost and confused right now. I'm so on the outside. It's because obviously it's, it heavily leans into the laughable comedy, but still has these. It, it, that has sort of self-assured teenagers, but in a different way because even though they're confident with who they are, like you know Channing Tatum's character and Dave Franco's character from the two different generations, even though that's there. They don't know themselves. That's that's mm. what they mm. still feel that 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 lack of having figured themselves out. Basically, that insecurity is like ah, that's relatable. And it that's so hilarious because essentially, like the the uh, Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill in Twenty One Jump Street mm. would have been of of the age cohort of the original Mean Girls seven exactly. years earlier. Like they're of that almost precise like age group. And so they're going back to school and they're like, oh, like we're hope like everything has changed since we were at high school. Like nobody's wearing their backpack on one strap and like yeah, I don't even know I'm what these cliques are cliques are anymore. And yet Mean Girls Two is taking a high school and going like, Yep, nothing's changed since two thousand and four. It's exactly the same. Yeah. Everyone's wearing exactly the same fashions. We have not bothered to look. We haven't even like cracked open a catalogue of like forever 21 and looked at what teenage girls are actually wearing right now we just went to the big box mark pink in the film studio they have a weird moment where there's i can't remember it's just like like we're the whole hottest couple thing that uh that mandy's and her boyfriend like "Mm, we're the hottest couple like not anymore and then her friend shows her a phone and it says update or breaking news new hottest couple i'm like what is this (laughs) yeah what is this technology what what is this a school fucking E-zine? I don't know what this is. I mean, that's that's the interesting thing is that Mean Girls comes out just prior to social media. Oh yeah. Whereas if Mean Girls Two had been a couple of years later, it would have had a moment where someone does something, it gets recorded, and they go, "It's gone viral." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just starting to try and grapple with mm. like what social media is, but also has no understanding of it, and so nothing looks like fucking facebook or anything no, like that it's no. all this yeah. it's all this horrible like iCarly <laughs> web design stuff. yeah it, it's so it's and again at that point even i'm pretty sure like the iCarly sort of universe has moved on and things at that stage again 2012 you've got 21 jump street and the social network there's mm. your mean girls sequels right there right. yeah <laughs> also it's the fucking it's the height of twilight fever around that period yeah these girls should have all been just like dressing like vampires. they wanted to have sex with vampires. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> valid. Dressing like they wanted to have sex with vampires, like Matt did in high school. 
I didn't want to have sex with vampires. I wanted to attract people I who wanted to have sex you. with a vampire. <laughs> you wanted to be the vampire that they had sex with. Yeah. Tim gets it. <laughs> oh, dear. I suppose we should probably get around to fixing Mean Girls too, then, right? Should be yeah. a walk in the park. <laughs> it, it Don't do not. this. <laughs> <laughs> this week's episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible is the largest collection of Audible delights, including audiobooks, guided meditations, comedy specials, and podcasts just like sequelizers. You can listen to sequelizers on Audible right now. And you should, because it's delightful. We are delightful. Audible is delightful. It's a brilliant <laughs> combination. But genuinely, there are hundreds of thousands of options on Audible. And like I said, a variety of different things. So even if you're not listening to other podcasts, you, sh- you should listen to other podcasts. That's allowed. But if you do want to check out other audiobooks or guided meditations or anything like that, I do actually have a recommendation for an audiobook that ties into this. Written by the woman who we've been mentioning, Tina Fey, who wrote Mean Girls, it's Bossy Pants by Tina Fey, which is Mm. hilarious and particularly good as an audiobook, in my opinion, because she's very funny. And Tina Fey reads it in a very funny way and is very engaging and does like little voices and impressions of people and all that kind of stuff. It's brilliant. The other person who also does that, but instead has a bunch of like guest stars, including her parents, is Tina Fey's collaborator in many ways, Amy Poehler. Yes, please. Both mm. are available on Audible. So you can take it. If you're a Poehler or a, or a Fey person, you like Mean Girls, you're probably going to like Tina Fey's book. So I definitely recommend that. I've read Bossy Pants and I think it's really, really good. And by read, I mean I did listen to it because I've been a subscriber to Audible for like a decade now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much um and yeah it's like just under six hours long something like that and it is fantastic and you can get it for free if you go to audibletrial.com slash sequel you get 30 days of trial of audible's fantastic service and you also get a free audiobook included in that trial as well so why not pick up tina fey's bossy pants if you're a fan of mean girls so let's dive into some rotten tomatoes shall we gentlemen i'm gonna keep it pretty simple we're doing mean girls one we're doing mean girls two Straightforward, no fuss, no muss. God. We'll be fine. So starting with 2004's Mean Girls, hour and 37 minutes long. Tight. Tim, I'll come to you first. What do you reckon for the tomatometer score? It's always tricky with films like this because there's going to be a bunch of grown-ass men <laughs> who yep. watch this film and go, it's just teenage fair, isn't it? And not realise the how... The, the massive golfing quality between bad teen comedies and good teen comedies. Agreed. But I think it's because it's got that SNL pedigree, I think there would be enough people who would recognise it at the time. And obviously since then it's gone on to become a classic. So I am going to say 79%. 79 on the demontometer from Mr. Timothy Matum. Matthew Stockton, what say you? I'm very much in agreement with Tim. However, I'm also consciously aware of post reviews, um, ad hoc reviews, retroactive reviews. I think. Yes, precisely. Mm-hmm. Um, Radioactive reviews. No, that's a different thing. Hyperactive reviews. <laughs> Supersonic reviews. Um, We're yeah, back into so Greece I'm, again. We are. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna say it's. Fuck it. 90. It's fuck it 90. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. Classic for a reason, 90%. What about Mean Girls 2, gentlemen? What do you reckon? From 2011, as we've discussed, it's one minute shorter, thank Christ. <laughs> one hour 36. <laughs> feel like it. Uh, it does not feel like it. Uh, 17%. 17 double digits still for the Timothy Mayton. Interesting, interesting. So you're predicting a 60-something percent drop-off there, Tim. That's a, that's a healthy yeah. sequelizers drop-off right there. Yeah, I think, because again, there's going to be people who are like, well, it's just for teens, isn't it? It's fine. They learn their lesson at the mm. end of the film. Um, But no, this film's bad. Yeah, I'm torn again because... Let me explain how I'm torn. All right, Natalie and Brulia. Inside is where I'm torn. Um, so basically, on the one hand, 2011 is by... We're well into the territory where people realise that Mean Girls is a fucking banger, for lack of a better word. Mm. It's like, people know this is a great film. It's established its status. It's quoted no end. It's now like, you know, heroes fair. So... I could see it getting the immense dropping that Tim is talking about with 17. I'd probably say you'd be hard-pressed to find... I mean, yeah, maybe the same sort of people with, like, you know, ah, it's fine. It's all the same bullshit anyway. That being said, it's a made-for-TV slash made-for-DVD film. I think we're getting in a situation where... I don't know if anyone fucking reviewed it, but let's say they did and it credited a number, and I'm going to say it's... Uh, I'm going to say 10%. 10% for Stogden. Very interesting. I, I did also consider maybe this is a uh, not enough reviews to, to, to no, qualify. Yeah. Mm. It is straight to TV, so that is yeah. always a possibility. Yeah. Um, as long as there's but one, I, we can go in and count that and, and count that as like one positive review, that's a 100% score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think the fact that Mean Girls was such a, a big thing and like we've said it's gone on to become a musical and all this kind of stuff and everyone involved in it has kind of gone on to bigger and better things i think that would have got enough people somewhere who would have been like yeah we'll review it yes yeah. it's bad well let's start off with the first one mean girls the classic from 2004 it is bang in the middle of youtube but just oh, shit, only just goes to tim it's 84 percent so, Tim, you are closer 5% off, yes. and Matt, you are 6% off. Uh, Couldn't have been closer, but it goes to Tim. How we handle the audience score is a different question, because the audience score, what you predicted, Tim, is the grumpy old men saying, oh, it's teen bollocks. Mm. It's down at 66% for the first time. Holy shit. shit. Yes. <laughs> I thought it'd be like high 90s on the audience yeah. score. Yeah. No. That, it's a bunch of grumpy f- old fuckers coming in and being like, Oh no, I don't like this. Me, me, me. Jack, bring, who is bring us review bombing Mean Girls? Like, if if you've watched it, it's not. Uh, I, I, I mean, I consistently do not understand people who rate films for Rotten Tomato. I'm yeah. like, no one needs to know what I think of films. Um, one of the but, worst movies I've ever seen from Ryder P from August 2021. Uh, Christy, it's a chick flick. Also, whatever language the five-year-old Lindsay Lohan was speaking, it's most certainly not Afrikaans. Maybe Chiswana, Oza, or Zulu, so Netflix needs to sort their shit out with their subtitles. Yeah, Netflix. Um, One star. Fuck you, Netflix. Okay. I, I must admit, um, yeah, there's the, something that, again, Cosmonaut uh, Variety Hour is talking about. Marcus was on there saying about how, obviously, thing we already know ourselves about how flawed 
Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes things. Yeah. But the, the the classic thing in a Rotten Tomatoes user scoring is worst film I've ever seen. I wish I had my hour and a half back or whatever it is. And there's a handful of phrases that are like bingo mm. effectively. Are you ready for a real bad one? Oh um, yeah. I've got some reviews for the for the second one as well, which I'll go into. Um mm-hmm. Lindsay Lohan has a good acting skills and looks good, but I don't like her very much. Maybe it's because she has a baby face, but likes to wear heavy makeup and sexy clothes to dress up as an adult. I still like her cute look when she was a kid, especially after she became famous. The negative news kept coming, though. I always heard that she loves being late and arrogant. I was even less impressed by her. My favourite is Regina. The actor looks very simple, like a kind girl. To be honest, she is also a contradictory role. She speaks bad things everywhere, but she is not afraid to be heard. She obviously likes to do bad things, but sometimes she is easy to believe, naively. Then she is smart, stupid, kind, and evil? I don't understand. Dot dot dot. Maybe that's what girls do. After all, she was only 15, year old, 15 years old. Dot dot dot. Aaron. Dot dot dot. I don't know why he loved Regina. She isn't a good girl. <laughs> that's the whole review. That's the entire review. That's not even a... I don't even know what the fuck that it's is. It's just a discussion of some of the characters. Uh, who? What was the username? Can we gauge anything off them at all? Uh, no, no username. There's a photo, but no username. Uh, next one, <laughs> one star from 2019. Again, a no name, no photo. Racist ass movie. She keeps daydreaming about some type of predatory instinct as if people in Africa behave like beasts. That's a weird interpretation of that one scene where that happens, but sure. <laughs> yes, where she explicitly says the animals at the watering hole. Yeah, yes. she's doing an Animal Kingdom relate thing as opposed to the people of africa the continent yeah jesus i watched it Uh, because it was on tv on a saturday afternoon i thought it was over and changed channels then changed back 20 minutes later it was still playing 30 minutes too ling and all sickening mush are they watching the same it's 97 minutes like it's fucking (laughs) yeah they watched the one scene with african animals and they thought not for me and they turned over and this is why why we don't trust the users fuck me yes anybody so in Mean Girls 2 is a very yes, interesting yes. one. It is, in fact, unrated. Oh, okay. Ah, it has yeah, yeah. only two reviews. Oh, it, so we can give it a 0%, 100%, or a 50%? We certainly can. It, okay. It, it's 50% if you, oh, want, if, you want, if you want to be picky about it. So, Tim, that is a clean sweep for you, sort of, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jesus. Let's dive into these reviews, shall we? Because, you know, I love to do it. Uh, would you like the bad one or the good one first? The As in the pos- positive or negative, I guess. Let's get the negative one first because that's that reflects reality. And then let's <laughs> see what kind of nonsense... I- I'm going to do a prediction. bad one is... Houston is, Morning Star has decided <laughs> this. I'm going to say the bad one is going to be like... Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, the one that's giving it a bad rating is... This is an insult to the first film. And the good one's going to say... Eh, it's fine. It's just teenage bullshit. That's exactly what I'm predicting. You've absolutely nailed it, Matt. Uh, I'm not not reading the full uh, negative one because it's quite long. I'll I'll go for the final thoughts section on the negative one. Uh, This is written by Brian Ormdorf of (laughs) brianormdorf.com. Good old Brian. Uh, Brian. Robotic and insincere to the very end. Mean Girls 2 doesn't colour outside the lines, which is a real shame. As with any DTV, director TV production, nobody's actually paying attention. Why not try something subversive with genuine comedic heft to compete with the bar set by Faye? It takes more than bathroom humour, the return of Tim Meadows reprising his principal role, and a photocopied plot to make a welcome impression. Legit. Brian fucking nailed it. Yeah. Yep. Kudos to you, Brian Orndorff of brianorndorff.com. 
You go, Brian. <laughs> you go with Glenn Coco. <laughs> Four for you, Brian Ondorf. Here's the positive one, which is, I be- this is from Common Sense Media, which I've never heard of, but I believe that they... Almost- that's a, I believe, Christian, a Christian, yes. Christian family watch. Oh, yes, it is. Hell. They rate it on. Uh, they have a they have a scale of, from ten one to Bibles five. Ten Bibles out of ten, kind of. Um, that one to I five mean, on positive messages. One to five on positive role models on violence, language, consumerism. Oddly enough, uh, and mm. sex. Are drinking, drugs, and smoking present? And then the review is called "What Parents Need to Know," and you get parent reviews, which I will go into in a moment. And kids reviews, and I'm it's insane. Su- I'm surprised by that because I mean, obviously, we'll hear more of what their thoughts are. You bet your ass you One will. thing that I forgot forgot to bring up is they drop a lot of uses of the the b word in Mean Girls too, they, which I don't think they do in the first. They film. do not. They mention it in this one, so I'll get into it. Yeah. Parents need to know that this follow-up to the hit movie Mean Girls has all new characters, but still deals with always relevant teen issues like popularity, sexuality, and status-seeking. There's some relatively salty language, especially ass and bitch, as they highlight ass and bitch, and yeah, several references salty. to high school relationships. Ooh, gross. Whether it's to a promiscuous girl who trades makeout sessions for homework or the quote-unquote embarrassment of still being a virgin who's only kissed one boy. Consumerism and materialism referred to on an ongoing basis, ongoing basis, especially cars and fashion designers. The upside is that families who watch can have thorough discussions about the mean girls they've encountered themselves. Whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> 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 oh, wow. on, on to the parent reviews because oh, one of them is I mean I kind of agree and then one of them is the maddest batshit <laughs> review I've ever <laughs> read in my life oh, I'm not sure uh, I'm so, so from Leah S uh, aged 10 plus because it's in the parent section so I'd hope so uh, from one year ago the, ti- the tagline is garbage movie fine Nothing is good about this. It's a rip-off of the first movie. Watch the first one instead, and don't waste time or money on this. Boom. Le- Correct. Leah, you've nailed it. You and Brian, thumbs up. Are you ready for no. No, God, this review, which is a five-star review from two years ago, aged two plus? Bear in mind, it's in the what? parents category, so <laughs> what the fuck? Um, from five out, I, of, five I am, out of five. Five out of five. The the username is I am a cool mom with cool spelt with a K, <laughs> and I think they have the wrong movie in a in an omen two kind of way. In all caps, this is so rad. That's the tagline. Then the opening sentence, in all caps, I let my kid watch this at the age of seven, and he loved everyone. <laughs> Should see this because this movie is so lit. But there was so much violence, you could see there was clearly a knife in the mom purse. Way too much violence. Four exclamation marks. The title has too much violence. That's That's the wrong fucking movie. I I don't I think that is just some teen prankster who is just like just a prank bro. Who's like, my 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 parents won't let me watch Spider Man No Way Home because the Christians at Common Sense Media said that it that Doctor Strange is a devil worshipper. Yep. So now I'm going to go and write rubbish reviews on their website for stuff. I'm surprised how much I'm agreeing with these Christian moms and their reviews, but everyone apart from that absolute fucking maniac <laughs> is, uh, is giving it one star and saying it's garbage, so thank God for that. <laughs> anyway, 
moving away from that, congratulations, Tim, on your sort of clean sweep, maybe-ish. Um, <laughs> Take your hollow victory, Tim. Yeah. Take it. Let's move on from Brian Orndorff and Rotten Tomatoes and talk about some mean girls and how the fuck I'm going to fix this movie. <laughs> two mean, two girls. Genuinely had that written down in my Google Doc. <laughs> <laughs> you are two mean, two girls. Yeah, it was like the, the too fast, too taken, all the various... Uh, I had a few different titles for it. Some of them funny, some of them accurate. I've gone bold. I'll tell you that right now. Mean boys. Mean boys. <laughs> Pleasant boys. It's, it's, I'm doing nasty boys, and it's, uh, it's a documentary on the 80s wrestling duo. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, voiced by Lindsay Lohan, so it's uh, in character of Katie Heron, so everything's fine. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know. Where shall I start? Where shall I start? I don't know. I'll go with the the title and the year and the director. I'll I'll go traditional. Why not? Okay. I have a few different titles. Again, as 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 is often the case, I'm not necessarily married to this title, but I've gone for Mean Girls: The Reunion. Okay, so you're doing interesting. interesting. I, I presume kind of an American Pie kind of vibe. A high mm. school reunion, same characters coming back, uh, later date kind of thing. Yes. So Fair play. That makes sense. Okay. Speaking of that later date. I've finally done it. Things that things that you have done in the past, you two. Have your future. This, this film fucker. comes out in twenty twenty four. A year after the heat death of the sun. <laughs> ah, that's yeah. I haven't factored that in, but yes. Uh, much like you two have done before, we have, predicting. We have. Yeah, everything will be fine by the time this film comes out. <laughs> I will say that I won't say that this time because I don't trust anything. Mm. Uh, but yes, Mean Girls: The Reunion, twenty years later from the original movie. Yeah, I'm, makes I'm, makes a lot I'm, of sense. I'm going for it. In a, <laughs> not an election year, a new president year, or a, possibly, unfortunately, maybe an old president. Or an old president. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, it would it would be it would be an election. Twenty twenty four is an election year, is it? Yeah. Fucking there you go then. And an Olympics. Oh. Brilliant. Just uh, I included <laughs> neither of those things. Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, I hate it, Jack. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, how could it be mean girls without Trump and Biden going at it and then realizing that they're the meanest power of girls? Of love? Yeah. Yeah. Mean what? girls go like the bond. And a, su- a subplot about to Jill Biden versus Melania Trump. <laughs> mean girls. We a subplot about flag football being included in the Olympics. There you go. There we go. Right stuff. See you next week, everybody. Yeah. I've gone bold on the director as well. Okay, I have gone for somebody who is more known as an actor so far, but has has directed a film I really like that I think gives me the vibes of what I want to see in a Mean Girls too. I've okay. gone for Fred Durst. Fred Durst. <laughs> I want to see this following up on the fanatic. Uh, I've recast Katie as John Travolta. Uh, no, please tell me it's set in the uh, in the corn universe, from, uh, falling away from me, which Fred Durst did a treatment for, and Ab- I want to say directed. Absolutely not. No, uh, missed opportunity. Uh, I've gone for Olivia Wilde. Damn, that's good. She that's, directed that's really Booksmart in 2019, mm. and I think Booksmart is fucking hilarious. I absolutely it agree. Is. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's one of the best teen comedies of the decade basically of the, I agree. the previous 2010s yeah. decade and I think she did a fantastic job directing it she also has Don't Worry Darling which comes out later this year in, in our timeline which looks great do you know the 
name of the main character of Don't Worry Darling, played by, or one of the main characters played by Harry Styles? Uh, if I remember correctly, it's Flimthap. Ah, <laughs> yeah, spot on. Yeah, yeah. How did, how did you know? Is it, is it Katie? No, 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 no. It's, it's far closer to home than that. Jack it's, Chambers? It's Jack Chambers. <laughs> <laughs> I had not twigged that at all. Yeah. That's amazing. So you it's a biopic about me. Obviously, if you think of me, you think Harry Styles, right? Yep. You think young, talented, handsome, musician, mm-hmm. etc. Ma- yep. Married to Florence Pugh, who has been to Norwich. So that, that's a yep. connection, right? Because she did fighting with my family. And we've Alex met- said has been to Norwich as opposed to you've both wrestled with... Yeah, and then the, the, the other connection family. was like, exactly, yeah, she was <laughs> trained by the same people who trained me to wrestle on my yep. stag do, so there's mm-hmm. the connection there as well. Basically, I'm Harry Styles, and that's the end of the episode, so that's I'll see fun, you later. That's, yeah. a, that's a fucking reach, I, dude. I, I can often think of you as a, as a gender, uh, gender stereotype-breaking imp, Jack, so... <laughs> I love how far away from the description of me that is. But yes, genuinely, Olivia Wilde, I really like what she did with Booksmart. I am very intrigued mm. to see what she does with Don't Worry Darling. I think the trailer looks really cool. Mm. Um, I have faith in her, and I think Booksmart is really kind of laying the groundwork for what I would like to see in this Mean Girls 2 treatment. So, yeah. Bear with me, because I've cast a bunch of teenagers who you've probably heard of, and have been in a couple of different things, and some of them are TV people and all that kind of stuff. They will be so there are there are younger characters and older characters and all this kind of stuff. It's kind of a, have you cast a consolatory twenty nine year old posing as a seventeen year old? I did not. <laughs> I tried. Oh, Jack, come on. I tried not to do that. I love the idea that you've done Mean Girls: The Reunion and not brought back any of the original cast. <laughs> I, I have brought back the original cast. Don't worry. Um, so coming back for the original cast, and I will. We will get into more details about this. Primarily, obviously, Lindsay Lohan back as Katie Heron. Mm-hmm. This is hopefully, yeah, hopefully she's kind of clean and sober mm. and not doing whatever she's doing in Mykonos at the time or whatever the fuck that is. Um, she's kind Did of trying see... to have a revival at the moment. She's trying <laughs> to have a true. Comeback. This is true. 2024 is probably enough time for it to go really well or, <laughs> or not. This episode to age weirdly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a did lot. Did you see? Uh, she she did an interview recently where she said how she didn't want to play Katie originally. She wanted to play Regina George. Yeah, she she did, yeah. Was a normal teenage girl, and that Katie was damaged. <laughs> yep. And then the customer wow. said, "No, you're better fit for this." And also, maybe the bad girl image might not be good for your career. Yep. And she said, "Oh, okay then." Yep. <laughs> Yikes! We'll, we'll go and get a 26 year old instead. Um, also returning. I'm bringing back Tim Meadows because I love me some Tim Meadows. Principal Duval is back. Heck yeah, he's in his sixties at this point, but you can be a school, still, you can be a school yeah. principal in your sixties, and Tim some Meadows people, is still yeah, still generational shit. And I'm also bringing back Amanda Seyfried as Karen Smith as well. Interesting. Okay. Also, but not limited to. Maybe we shall see. Fair play, fair play. We shall see. New cast. I've got a couple of adults and plenty of teens, as is on my police arrest record <laughs> was jack a teenager at the time we'll never know <laughs> who knows playing the character of dan i'm bringing in pen badgley who you may know from you in netflix he's joe mm-hmm. in you and gossip girl he, he's gossip in girl. he's also in gossip girl yeah and also i'm 
because I'm very imaginative with names. I've got Dan and I've got John because I've got very imaginative. <laughs> I get way more interesting names in a second with the teens, but the middle-aged dudes just have basic <laughs> ass names. I mean, these are uh, people we went to high school with, so that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. They're Jack, they're, Tim, Matt. <laughs> yeah, they're our age slash your age. Um, mm. I would be one of the new plastics to put that into perspective, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, playing John, I've got Thomas Sadowski, who is, in fact, Amanda Seyfried's real actual husband, and also a comedian in his own right and done a bunch of other stuff. But he's also playing Karen's husband and is Amanda Seyfried's real life husband. He's very funny. Getting on to the teens, we talked about her briefly before we started recording. The one and only America Chavez, Sochi Gomez. Oh, interesting. She's going to be hot, cool shit in 2024, hopefully. <laughs> I agree, yeah. She's going to skyrocket. She's already in the very recent Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. If you haven't already seen that, she does play the character America Chavez. Uh, she's also in Babysitter's Club, the Netflix series from a year or mm-hmm. two ago. Uh, she's good in that as well. So, yeah. I predict good things for her, and she will be like... 18 by the time this film comes out so that is spot on for me thank you very much Mm -hmm. moving right along to um, I'm dipping into more Netflix stuff into Stranger Things this time I'm going to grab me some Noah Schnapp who is by the way Will in Stranger Mm -hmm. Things that one I was Uh, trying to remember which Stranger Things I'll come back and name all the characters I will list off all the actors and then we'll run through because there's Mm. quite a lot and they're in a lot of things and then I will name the characters so we have a good idea next up more Netflix goodness, because Netflix do a lot of teen stuff. Griffin Santapietro, uh, he's in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt very briefly. I know mm-hmm. him mostly from being Anthony LaRusso, Daniel LaRusso's son oh. <laughs> in Cobra Kai. Um, okay. he's, he's nothing in the first three seasons, and then he's a little shit in the fourth season. So, uh, yeah, he finally kind of does some acting, and I was like, you're actually good. I'll have you. Then... <laughs> I'll have you. He's just a little boy. <laughs> he, he is. He's, he'll be like 19 when this comes out. You fucking throw a net over him like a creep. Yeah. <laughs> moving, on to, moving on to some, some film stars now outside of Netflix and stuff like that. She was in Us and voiced a young Nala in John Favreau's Lion King, Shahadi Wright Joseph. Oh, cool. I think she's yeah, fantastic in Us. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. Does a, does a decent job of uh, I, I read an interview with her earlier where she was talking about like oh yeah I can't wait to play Nala and like I know the original one is such an inspiration for young women then she realised mm. Beyonce had been cast and she was like oh shit <laughs> now I need to live up to Beyonce yeah, so, yeah. she's got an amazing really duality in us uh, yeah she's brilliant in us mm. yeah. amazing definitely kind of coming back to a bit of Netflix and also a bit of Nickelodeon I'm grabbing Dallas Dupree Young who plays Kenny in the latest season of Cobra Kai and is also a regular on the Nickelodeon series Cousins for Life as well. Next up, uh, somebody who I've not seen in anything, but I have heard in something, which is an interesting thing. Uh, I've heard her voice in Ron's Gone Wrong, the recent animated <laughs> movie. Oh, yeah. And she's also a long-running, uh, it's a Disney Channel thing called Gabby Duran. I don't know what it is. Apparently, it's very popular. She's a Disney Channel person. Uh, I've got mm-hmm. Kylie Cantrell. Mm-hmm. Cool. Probably, okay. probably have no idea who she is, but that's her. No, but I love your assessment. Yeah, <laughs> it's such an. Uh, th- you, she's never sounded channel. like more of an old man. Yeah, I've heard her voice, but I don't know what that is. But she'll be very good. Here's her name. It doesn't matter. Nobody knows. It's like me reading off the fucking Day of the Dead stuff. For those who know, it's like, oh, what a great choice. And and again, I can see what you mean because again, I think yeah, 
Solid it's, choice. This but... is a bunch of teens a lot of you might not have heard of or seen <laughs> yeah. in anything. But either way, yeah, well. making these t- conversations now, in five years' time is the bit where they come out and they're the biggest stars and Jack goes, I told you. Or there's some sexual harassment allegations. So that's... And I say, <laughs> I told you. <laughs> <laughs> and rounding off my teens, I've got Storm Reed, who you may know as... Zendaya's little sister in Euphoria, which is what mm-hmm. I've primarily mm-hmm. seen her in. Uh, she's also briefly in the Suicide Squad, and I looked that up. I was like, "Is she?" I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, she's so she is. Idris Elba's daughter. She is yeah. Idris Elba's daughter." Spot she's on. She's in yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wrinkle in Time. She's in yes, Wrinkle in Time yeah. as well. Exactly. Yeah. So that is my teen cast. I'll run through, kind of like, so you have it clear in your mind before we go in who is playing who and all that kind of stuff. Sochi Gomez is playing a character called Izel. Noah Schnapp is playing a character called Charlie. Griffin Santapietro is playing a character called Frankie. Shahadi Wright-Joseph is playing a character called Zora. Dallas Dupree Young is playing a character called Mason. Kylie Cantrell is playing a character called Savannah. And Storm Reed is playing a character called Gia. So you have Izel, Charlie, Frankie, Zora, Mason, Savannah, and Gia as our teen cast of... Cool. Yeah, the, the, the teens, basically. Mm-hmm. Cool. On to the pitch. We zoom along the halls of a North Shore high school following a girl frantically running to her next class. With a voiceover, we're introduced to Izel, and we learn that no matter what she does, she always ends up being late. She crashes through the door of her math class and is greeted by her teacher, Ms. Heron. Oh. oh. The source of the voiceover. It's a voiceover by Katie. Katie simply rolls her eyes, knowing there's no point in telling her off at this point, and tells Izel to take her seat. After Izel sits down, the camera moves across the classroom with Katie calling the register and introducing the other main characters with her voiceover. The TikTok trio, Savannah, Gia and Zora, all have millions of followers and, unsurprisingly, the three of them are on their phones right now. Izel comments that Savannah is the leader of their group, but only because of her famous mum. Next is Charlie, a nerdy kid who likes Dungeons and Dragons. Mason, a kid who moved here last semester who's quiet and has a lot of rumours around. And last but not least, Frankie, the tough kid who also happens to be Miss Heron's son. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. When he was younger, Frankie got bullied for being taught by his mum and has since toughened up, becoming a bit of a bully himself, which Katie is worried about. You would, you not would get... stopping because she's shit teacher. Kind of. <laughs> You'd get bullied if you're... Mo- I, I have known people yeah, who have, yeah, who have had their parents be our Don't teachers. Don't go to the school. That you're... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your parents teaching. That's yeah. just asking for fucking trouble. It is. It is. I like... The real stretch that Noah Schnapp is having here, uh, having to go from playing Will in Stranger Things to playing a nerdy kid who likes Dungeons and Dragons. You're welcome, Tim. <laughs> really, really pushed him out of his boundaries, out of his comfort zone. Type, yep. Cast, you I don't fuck. know if he actually likes Dungeons and Dragons in real life. He probably doesn't. No. <laughs> be like, Doubt fuck it. off, mate. Come on. Probably about as much as he likes having that bowl haircut every, uh, <laughs> every couple of years. Pretty much. At the end of the school day, we follow Katie as she meets up with Frankie to drive him home. That evening, she tries to talk to Frankie over dinner, but he's not interested in talking. He'd rather dance. No. (laughs) Maybe. It might be an option later on. She's clearly struggling as a single parent of a difficult teenager. Her parents returned to South Africa a few years ago when they retired, leaving Katie to look after Frankie alone. Frankie is very close to his grandfather and clearly misses a strong male influence in his life. After Frankie goes up to his room, Katie goes on a dating app and answers messages from a guy named Dan, who seems interested in meeting up with her. Don't do it, Katie, he's our murderer. Or I something, remember. I haven't watched you. He's, um, he's definitely a murderer in you, yeah. <laughs> okay. In my primary school, uh, a kid moved to a, a 
to London from South Africa. His name was Divin. And uh, <laughs> he was very South African. And I'm like, and he, but he, I think he had American parents. And I'm like, only now thinking, why does Katie have an American accent? <laughs> Not a South African it's a accent. Good, it's a good point. I've yeah. always wondered that myself. Yeah. I mean, even when I watched it as a teenager, I was like, why doesn't she sound like she's from South Africa? This is weird. Yep. Carry on. <laughs> Dan eventually convinces her and she reluctantly agrees to meet up and go on a date. Is he a serial killer? I guess we'll find out. Uh, this, this, <laughs> Jack's Mean Girls sequel takes a real turn. Nothing's meaner than murder. Stranger Things and you all mush together. It's actually really a sequel to I Know Who Killed Me. Uh, a terrible Lindsay Lohan <laughs> film which I have watched. Her yes, at. me oh. too. Oh, she plays you, a stripper. You too. Fucking hell. In my defence, I watched it while getting very high. Uh, in my defence, I have no defence. <laughs> in my defence, I've seen everything and I'm ashamed of myself. When you've seen everything, you can't get told off for seeing certain things. <laughs> yes, you can. You definitely have experienced. <laughs> the next day at school, Isella's listening to some cool music. Whatever's cool in 2024, I'm not, pre- I'm not predicting that shit. I don't know. I don't know what's cool now, let alone in two years' time. And I'm assuming Bluetooth earbuds are still a thing because she's listening to them on her Bluetooth earbuds. I assume we won't get new technology in the next two years. This is all like pending new technology happens, <laughs> then we might change that. If something surpasses TikTok, then we might replace the TikTok trio with something else, but... I'm writing this in May of 2022, so bear with me. Yeah, yeah, but you'd also be they're filming actually, around now, so that makes sense that it would be sure, sure. that. Yeah, weirdly, they're actually the MySpace trio. Yeah, next next couple of years is going to be real the weird. Revivalist <laughs> MySpace trio. They're all Big singing fun. fucking Smash Mouth. Mean Girls. <laughs> Who's in your top eight? Yeah. There are no songs anymore, but just TikTok sounds. Yeah, just oh that oh, no, I won't start ranting about TikTok sounds. I loathe helicopter. Stop it. As Charlie invites her to join his birthday D&D party in a few weeks. Izel, being sincere, says she'll be there and makes a note on her phone. Mm. Izel's voiceover explains that she doesn't really fit into any groups, so she gets a bit of voiceover as well. Any groups at school, but is able to hang out with the nerdy kid thanks to her love of video games. She grew up close friends with Gia, but Gia got in with Savannah and Zora, and she's to call her to hang out with Izel now. We see the trio making TikToks at lunchtime, dancing around the lunchroom and recruiting unwilling, quote-unquote, ugly kids into some of their videos. While Azella's watching this unfold, Mason, the new kid, comes and sits next to her and compliments her choice of lunch. Very smooth opening line there from Mason. She laughs at his dorky introduction, but they end up chatting and bonding over their love of video games and Twitch streamers. Again, assuming Twitch is still a thing. I know kids (laughs) like Twitch now. I don't know if that's still a thing in 2024. Let's just assume it is. Jack, that's already significantly further ahead than most producers and writers would be thinking. You are already on the pulse. I'm also so much 30 more years younger than most producers. <laughs> I don't know. Producers tend to be around our age for some reason, just coked up idiots. Yeah, but true. the point is that you are fine, I think, with this, man. Don't, I'm don't worry about it. on the pulse of the 2020-somethings. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fine. And also, uh, you know, Sochi is, is genuinely on... Sochi is it's like on TikTok doing yes, stuff is, yeah. with them. So that again feels Mo- most of the cast completely either plausible. have like active Instagram profiles or TikToks and stuff. Yeah, as well, so I don't yeah. think it's unreasonable at all, including Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> we see life at North Shore High. We see life at North Shore High through the eyes of the TikTok trio. They have a mix of students begging to be in their videos and people avoid actively avoiding their pranks, sing-alongs, and flash mob dances. 
We see that Gia, despite turning on Izel when they were younger, is still not fully accepted in the group and is typically the subject of the pranks. This eventually builds up to Gia storming out of one of the videos crying. This video spreads and Gia starts getting bullied for it. Frankie said, is one. Oh, it's going to go viral oh, and yeah. stuff. <laughs> yep, there it is. Here we are. Frankie is one of the primary antagonists, and the other two TikTokers begin turning on Gina as well. So Frankie gets involved because he's a oh, because he's a bully prick. Yep, now I understand. He's a now. bully prick. I thought. Yeah. I thought oh, yeah, I understand what you're going there. So basically, the, the the TikTok video happens. She sums off. He then initiates and instigates this whole bullying sort of thing, and it spreads. From, I get you very much. So yep, yep. Katie meets up with Dan at a restaurant and is pleasantly surprised that he lives up to his dating profile. He's handsome, chatty, and works as a librarian and archivist. There's real palpable chemistry between the two. I just described Dan... the chemistry because it's there. Yes. <laughs> You'll find that I do kind of gloss over a lot of stuff. I've, I've realized how wordy I was getting in this pitch. There's a lot of extra, st- as typical with pitches, good stuff happens, blah, 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 that kind of thing. So bear, bear mm-hmm. with me on that a few times. You're synopsizing the, the, not Yeah, yeah. and the thing to remember at this is that Olivia Wilde seems like a very good director who can get good performances out of people. Spot so. on, Tim. And hopefully yeah. Lindsay Lohan's clean or something. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Oh. <laughs> hosed her down. <laughs> Freshly hosed. You mean off the needles, not clean like washed. They charge extra for that, that's what I'm told. Yeah. Dan jokes about what Katie must have dealt with in the dating scene so far, with everyone being so absorbed on the internet. <clears throat> and Katie shares a horror story of a previous date, who she thinks was definitely a serial killer. Huh? She's able to laugh about it now and accidentally opens up about Frankie and his father. She mentions her high school sweetheart, but says she met Frankie's father a few years later before leaving. But says she met Frankie's father a few years later before leaving her. Or he left her. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's all right. She mentions her high school sweetheart, but says she met Frankie's father a few years later, and he left her shortly after Frankie was born. Dan then opens up about his daughter who's much younger than Frankie, and how he lost his wife to cancer a few years ago. Despite this intense emotional exchange on a first date, the pair seem to get on well. Seems like a lot for a first date, but, you know. You know, you get to a certain age, you yeah. want to just get all your baggage out you there. Don't fuck yeah. around. Yeah, I get it. To, to get too personal with it, that's pretty much what Emma and I did. We got onto, like, full, <laughs> real, deep, hardcore shit, and we're just chatting on our first date. We're like... I don't think I've ever told anyone half this stuff, but it's our first date. Fuck it up. Same, same with me and my wife. And now I look back, I, I thought to myself, well, yeah, we were really old at the time we met. We, like, been, we'd seen so much and been through so much. And I'm like, Matt, she was 23 and you were 24. What the fuck are you talking about? I, I was 24, <laughs> she was 25. So, yeah. <laughs> Similar. At school, Principal Duval, Tim Meadows is back, baby, calls yeah. some of the pupils involved in the bullying into his office. Savannah and Zora are all questioned after Duval tries to get the story from Gia. So he basically tries to talk to Gia first. She doesn't give much. She doesn't want to betray her friends. He then turns to the other two. Jim didn't want to betray her friends, so kept quiet. But the principal comes down quite hard on Savannah, who eventually cracks and blames the whole thing on Frankie. Duval calls in her parents. Karen. Hey, Amanda Seyfried is back. And John. Again, played by Amanda Seyfried's real-life husband, (laughs) Thomas Sadowski. Karen now working as a famous weather reporter, which they hint at at the end of the first one that she goes off and works do, in like yeah. news and yes. weather and stuff. She is now like a like the country's leading weather reporter, whatever the fuck. Still that is. grabbing <laughs> her tits to find out if it's raining. Exactly. That's why she's so popular. That's why she's the country's number one, Matthew. <laughs> on Fox Thirteen or some <laughs> shit. Yes, that's exactly how I imagined it. Karen is now working as a famous weather reporter and clearly thinks the world of Savannah and starts crying. 
John, however, insists that Deval properly punish Frankie for what he's done to Gia and for damaging Savannah's reputation. Savannah promises to stop the pranks and change her TikTok to something new and a bit different. Deval reassures them that he, and says he will speak to Frankie and his mother as soon as possible. Deval hands Karen a card as they leave that reads, North Shore High School, Class of 04, 20-year reunion, which is about a month away. Frankie and Katie are both summoned to Deval's office. Deval, clearly swayed by the Smith's appeals, tells Katie that he has no choice but to suspend Frankie for his involvement. Katie protests, but Frankie accepts it, claiming that he's looking forward to having some time off from school. Katie knows there's no point in fighting with Frankie, especially in front of the principal, so she accepts the suspension. He is suspended for the next month, and he recommends that Katie try to continue his studies at home as much as she can, so that he doesn't uh, fall behind. Duval remembers to give Katie her invitation to the class of 2004 reunion, and her voiceover mentions how excited she would be to bring Dan to the school reunion. On the drive home, Katie realises that she's invited Dan over that night, and hadn't planned on Frankie being there. She calls her parents for some advice. Cue cameos from Neil Flynn and Anna Gasteyer. And they let her know that they were planning to visit soon and can have a talk with Frankie and help her out. She keeps it as a surprise from Frankie and is really excited to see her parents for the first time in a few years. Katie manages to cook a decent meal despite a lot of clumsiness and issues in the kitchen. Just Cue slapstick comedies nonsense uh-huh. from Lindsay Lohan yeah. being useless. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Dan arrives uh, with flowers, a bottle of wine in hand and a big smile their date, no trousers no trousers, (laughs) just flowers and a bottle of wine and a big smile on his face he's he's clutching, held in his between his butt cheeks (laughs) hold on hold on, hold on, hold on he's got the the stem of the bouquet or the neck of the bottle between his butt cheeks the flower heads are up his asshole power of the clinch (laughs) Their date goes well at first But Frankie eventually comes down from his room And starts an argument with his mother Dan stands up to Frankie Telling him that he shouldn't speak to his mother that way But Frankie shuts him down And Dan eventually leaves Believing that his presence is only exacerbating Frankie's behaviour This kid's a real shit He is a a real little shit I hope he gets hit by a bus (laughs) (laughs) I hope Katie Katie shoves her son in front of a bus she finally did the thing to her son she couldn't do to Regina George all those Breaks years ago. fourth wall, turns to the camera, says, always know what to do next time. And then you see the fucking Regina George <laughs> is driving the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Hong Kong. Rachel <laughs> <laughs> And it freeze frames and said, guest called, starring Rachel McAdams. Called, called in a special favour. <laughs> 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 So I'm going to skip through some time here. Time gets a bit wibbly-wobbly, Doctor Who style, but like I said, <laughs> bear with me. Katie's parents arrive at the house and everyone is incredibly happy to see each other. Chip, Katie's dad. I never realised his name was Chip, by the way. That's such an American dad name. I love Fucking it. Chip. It suits Neil Flynn th- very well. It strikes me as one of those, like, it's in the script, but no one actually says it in the film. Yes, I think yep. so. Chip tells Katie that he plans to spend some time with Frankie and help him channel his energy into something positive. Betsy sits down with Katie and hears the story of her relationship with Dan so far. Betsy encourages and reassures Katie, telling her that if he's the one, he'll be back. With Katie's father working his grandfather magic. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else to write in there. And I'm still not comfortable with that sentence, but here we are. Old man Jack, who doesn't know people. <laughs> grandfather I magic, teens, I guess. But not old, not old man. <laughs> 
With Katie's father working as grandfather magic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello, son. You want a bunch of flowers? Just mean girls. Just, just grandfather magic. Just out of his fill, Fills him up with Werther's original. Yeah. <laughs> with Katie's father working as grandfather magic over the next couple of weeks, she thinks Frankie will learn to deal with his emotions a bit better. Frankie and Chip have a long heart-to-heart talk about relationships, friends, school, and even toxic masculinity. Chip reminds Frankie how much he loved reading their books and their research in Africa. So he would basically go and visit them when they were there before, but they haven't done in a few years. Pandemic, life, etc., etc. Chip says that he has an idea of what Frankie could do. Fucking Chip and Betsy, like, off of happy days or some shit. It really, it really um, does feel a bit happy days, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Over the next few weeks, Izelle begins rebuilding her friendship with Gia, breaking down the barriers between her and the TikTok trio. She attends Charlie's D&D-themed birthday party, and she brings Mason along with her. There's a little bit of tension between Mason and Charlie, as they're both clearly interested in Izelle, but she seems completely oblivious, far more interested in the group of them playing D&D and the board games together. I don't know why that cadence came out of my phone. The board games. <laughs> and the board so... games. Oh, I love to play the board games. <laughs> I'm so broken. Again, you the, play, the teens uh, like board games? I, I play uh, the board games. I, I'd like to play the dungeons and a dragon. <laughs> There's a little bit of tension between Mason and Charlie as they're both clearly interested in Ezel, but she seems completely oblivious, far more interested in the group of them playing D&D and board games together. We see the group playing video games together at school, and even Savannah and Gia join them during some of their nerdy activities, retargeting their TikToks with some success, despite them moving away from the prank-based content they had previously produced. So retargeting is a very marketing word there. I didn't, it is. I didn't know how else to think about it. But yeah. Fucking, you've become, you've, you are marketing boy. This is, you've, this is you've, me. You've done a, a KD into Regina like transformation. I have. Yes. Uh, you're, you're plastic now, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. This is me zooming through a lot of character development. This feels very rushed. It would not be as rushed. No, no, no I feel, film. I do but think yeah. it's one of those moments where you just lean in and just say very quietly, while this handling it, don't worry. Yes. That yeah. genuinely carries a and lot of weight. as well. Oh, the yeah, the cast. Ca- no, definitely. Great. Yes. It's like, this is the skeleton situation. Mm. They're going to make it great in terms of how it's fleshed out. I, I actually genuinely see where you're coming from with that. It's Tim. Tim walks in. I don't know. Tim was in this movie. The Heron family go to the zoo, and Chip, through his connections, has arranged for Frankie to try a day as a zookeeper. Frankie is a different person, and Katie thanks her dad for his help. Chip tells Katie... That he has pulled some strings, and if Frankie does well today, he has a part-time job at the zoo lined up for him. He thinks Frankie can do something really good with himself, even if that means he won't be following in their footsteps into academia. Katie hugs her dad as Frankie has fun in the background, feeding some penguins. <laughs> Fucking beats up a gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> he punches a penguin and then it's like, oh no, no, I can't do that anymore. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> the reunion is finally here. And Katie prepares to go alone, with Frankie staying home with his grandparents. They've stuck around, they know what's going on, they're looking after Frankie, etc. She dresses up all nice, and despite the lack of Dan, is still looking forward to seeing Aaron, Janice, and the others. She's greeted at the front door by the one and only Kevin motherfucking G. Jesus. The king of the mathletes, and Janice's boyfriend for a very, very brief time, back when they were teenagers. And he calls her Africa for the first time in 20 years. Because it's hey. weird, because he's a guy of colour calling a white girl Africa. Yeah. She's for Africa. It's it's fair. Sort of. I mean, fair in the way that it <laughs> makes logistic <laughs> sense. Yep. But again, everyone else hearing this for the first time are like, excuse me, what? Yeah. <laughs> she enters the hall and quickly spots Aaron and his husband, Archie, 
played by a cameo from Chase Crawford, also from Gossip Girl. Mm-hmm. But it's cut off by Janice. Hey, Lizzie Kaplan. Welcome to welcome <laughs> Lizzie Kaplan, who gives her a big hug. Regina arrives with her partner. Rachel McAdams is here. This is the big reunion. Again, much longer than this paragraph will describe. Uh, with her partner, Alyssa, played by Kiki Palmer. Where might you know Kiki Palmer from, ladies and gentlemen? Any guesses, Matt and Tim? I mean, I know the name Kiki Palmer. Mm. Uh, Coco. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think what she's been in. Uh, I, I know she's going to be in Nope, but I don't know what she's... I she's going she's to be in Nope. She's also yeah. in Hustlers, yeah. which is where I kind of... There we go. Yes. She's yeah. Mercedes in Hustlers. She's I do love Hustlers. And yeah, yeah, we'll be in Jordan Peele's Nope later mm. on this year. Mm. She's also a voice she in... in Lightyear as well, believe it or not. Oh. Is she in Beale Street as well? I don't think so. Uh, she's not else. in a Beale Street at all now. Nope. Okay. Not unless she's like a background character. I'm like, okay. She might be a background character. And Regina arrives with her partner, Alyssa, and reunites with Karen and Gretchen. Hello, Lacey Chabert. Welcome back from your years of toiling in the unpleasant holiday Christmas movies. <laughs> we'll drag you away from Hallmark if, it, if I do it with my cold, dead hands. Um, as Katie talks to Janice, we see Dan arrive in the background. He quickly catches the attention of many of the women in the room, because of course he does, as well as Damien. Hi, Daniel Franzese. Welcome back. Hey. And his husband, a cameo from Billy Eichner. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> we're, we're going gay and we're going very gay, ladies and gentlemen. I'm his partner! <laughs> Pretty much. He's my husband. Imagine, yeah. Is um, this Glenn just, Coco? <laughs> pretty much, yeah. He's going to be asking who who are all the names and just being very embarrassing. And mm. yeah, Damien's going to hate it and it'll be mm, gay comedic gold. Um, sure. Everyone falling over Dan garners Katie's attention, finally. Dan runs up to her, apologises for leaving earlier, and Katie kisses him passionately. The final reunion moment there. A true Lindsay Lohan kiss. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> after she after she has been washed. Uh, this is the bit I struggled with. A bunch of songs from 2004 play in the background, and I was like, I'll reference the, one of the songs from the movie and stuff. It's like... Do I do, do I do a Janice Jingle Ian Bell, song? Jingle, like, Bell, Jingle Bell, Bell Rock? Bell. Like, yeah, mm, weird. <laughs> so I've listed Destiny's Child, Usher, Outcast, etc. Because they were like the top ten, basically. Yes, <laughs> you I had, remember like, it. Breathe by Destiny's well. Child and Yeah by Usher and Hey Ya by Outcast. So yep. there you go. Caroline! Uh, pretty much. They play in the background as the couple laugh and smile and we head to the credits. Under the credits, we see TikToks and videos created during the movie. Eventually, ending with some fourth wall breaking videos of the cast and crew having fun, dancing around, etc. Et That's a good touch. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like I said, that is fairly skeletal. That is pretty, pretty rushed, if I'm honest. But I came, I was coming in at like 1800 words, and I was like, mm, I don't want to push this too much further. <laughs> it's a fucking Mean Girls uh, sequel. But yeah, mm. that is my deuteragonist kind of reunion mm. Mean Girls 2 sequel y thing. There you go. Yeah, uh, I think you absolutely took the right tactic of going for a reunion and and picking now as the moment to do it. I don't know what they were all up to in 2014, but I think a 10-year reunion Lindsay Lohan would have been too soon. Rehab, I believe. Yeah, not enough has right. changed in terms of the characters being 10 years older and the actors yeah. is like, I, My instant thought yeah. was like, do I have them have kids? And I, my, one of my original ideas, there was a lot more connections to the other characters and there was a lot more... Like, so-and-so is so-and-so's dad, and so-and-so is so-and-so's yeah. mum. And it was like, okay, great. 
I wouldn't mind that, but it, for me, when I did that, it turned a bit Star Wars prequely, and it was Anakin, Anakin, <laughs> Anakin building C-3PO, and I was like, all right, mm. not everyone has yeah. to be related to everyone else, but yeah. I think, I think um, like, introducing some new people and having uh, some new teens um, makes a lot of sense, and like you say, you don't want it to become too much of a a Star Wars prequel or a sequel. Um, I did, I do think, I think, like, to me, one of the, the the interesting parts was like setting up somewhat like a rival, like the bit where Amanda Seyfried shows up and is kind of like a rival parent mm. and, and almost like playing out <clears throat> some of that same like competition, but through your kids. Um, I think you could dive into that a little bit more. And I think that would be You would enjoy Cobra Kai, Tim. <laughs> that's, I'm sure that's I would. entirely what Cobra Kai is. Yeah, both literal um, kids and adoptive kids battling yeah. it out on behalf of their sort of parents sometimes. Yeah, and sometimes they swap uh, sides, and it's like anime and wrestling, and that's why Cobra Cry is great. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so I, I I feel like that would be an interesting angle to take, and would tie in like the original cast a bit more because I think part of me thinks like there's a bunch of them who shouldn't show up until the reunion. But I think you would also have a lot of pressure. You know, I know we play the studio here, essentially, yeah. as well as the director and the writers and the whatever. I think you'd have a lot of pressure to have more of the original cast earlier in the film. Yeah, that was definitely a, a thing I was worried about, for want of a better phrase. So I, mm. I originally had two different versions. I didn't fully script them, obviously, but uh, mm. heading in two different directions. The reunion and the next generation in a kind mm-hmm. of Degrassi yeah. style, where I would have just the teens and then, oh, Katie shows up and it's a little thing. And mm. then I had a reunion where there were barely any teens and we basically just had like a couple of their kids, but it was mostly mm. the adults from the first one. And we would mm. follow along with Janice and Regina and whoever else, and they would get a lot more screen yeah. time. I kind of smushed them together and I, and I kind of, I, I was explaining this to Emma, I need to give sort of like partial writing credit to Emma as well because I was smushing <laughs> these together and thinking like, how the fuck do I make this work? I need a resolution for Frankie, I need a resolution for the reunion stuff and like trying to make it all together and Emma was like, how about you do this and try this and what about this? And I was like, aha! And kind of had to like, yeah, I've, I really struggle with this one for some reason. No, trying, I, I trying to go in so many different it's, directions it's and really ended up having... Tricky. Emma there to yeah. like bounce off of was really useful because she's also a huge Mean Girls fan, which helps. And we yeah. it's one of the few times we watched the film together and I like pre-warned her. It wasn't like a, oh, by the way, I'm watching Alien vs. Predator. And she was <laughs> like, oh, God. I was like, do you want to watch Mean Girls this evening? And she was like, yeah. I was like, brilliant. Because <laughs> I've got to write a fucking sequel. <laughs> she refused did, to watch did, the sequel with me, though. Oh, I was going to say, did she watch Mean Girls too? Absolutely so what, no, what, what were no. her thoughts? Um... Yeah, I think, I mean, we talked about Aliens vs. Predator being a bit of a, a poison chalice. I think this one definitely is as well. Like, it's such, so clearly, there's a few teen films where you're like, oh, yeah, I can see a sequel to this, and, and most of those end up having a sequel. Um, like American Pie, I think. American Pie, you can kind of, it leaves, like, the relationship between Jason Biggs's character and Alison Hannigan's character is kind of still a little bit up in the air, and you're like, oh, okay, I can see yeah that story continuing and the rest can just have other things going on um whereas mean girls feels like such a complete unit that you do need that that distance and even then with like 20 years of stuff it 
trying to to craft a secret is, is hard. Yeah. So I don't I don't envy you for this one. I was I was very um, consciously not having it being like, and everyone who was together is still together twenty yes. years later. And they're I, all I they're all hate that. They've all become teachers at the school. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I did that and once. Katie's and I was like, oh. son is dating Regina George's and, daughter. And that's exactly and... what, not my original pitch, but one of the versions where I started connecting the dots. And I was like, I need to erase some of these lines connecting these dots. This is getting too mm. much. It was like, mm. Dan, uh, so I originally had, let me see, I've still got my notes from my other pitch over here somewhere. Um, I had um, Aaron and Archie. So Aaron the actor who plays Aaron Samuels mm. is gay in real life. So I thought, yes. get some representation in there mm. um, and bring in Chase Crawford as well. Um, as is as is Kevin G. Indeed, yes. Every every like teenage male lead in that film yep. is gay. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, Daniel Franzi is obviously very openly yes. gay as well. Um, very active and, and openly gay. Has a podcast about Jesus and being gay called Yes Jesus. Which is, <laughs> uh, I'm not keen on Jesus, but I'm all about that. Power yep. to you, Daniel Franzi's. Um, but yeah, I originally had him and his husband being like adoptive parents of one of the other kids, like one of the mm. um, probably like Mason, perhaps. I thought like ah, then you're getting like they're like there's like love interest stuff between Aaron's kid and Katie's kid, and that's oh, that's too prequely for me. Mm. Um, I did originally have Dan being the father of someone at the school as well, but again, it felt a bit too incestuous and a bit weird. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I kept it as like Karen and her daughter, Katie and her son, and then mm. a couple of other people sort of floating about without connecting too much. Do you think there should have been a bit more? A bit less? A bit... I don't know. I, I never really settled on somewhere. I th- There's a sweet I spot there somewhere. I don't mm. think I ever mm, really kind of got to the core of it. I don't think you necessarily need more, like, connections, but I think just making more of that relationship, if that... Like, make mm. it a bigger part of the plot, I think. I'd also be tempted, even though she's not a big as not as big a name uh, as Amanda Seyfried, I feel like Gretchen Wieners, Lacey Chabert, would work better in that role mm. just because Karen is so dumb. And so I think if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna it's turn that oblivious. into a little bit of a like a uh Mom versus mom rivalry. Mom mom versus mom, like Amanda Seyfried's character is just too dumb for that. <laughs> I don't think she'd be aware that she was in a rivalry. Yes, yeah. Matt, what what are your thoughts? I have a lot of thoughts. And so I think Jack had, again, a really poison chalice shitty job with this one because Mean Girls is such a perfect encapsulation of a movie. It doesn't need a sequel, as always. What's more, you do have the problem of what does the sequel become? What is the most important takeaway from a movie like this? Who is the audience? Is the audience, in fact, you know, the people... This is something that studios struggle with as well. Is it just teenagers again? In which case, the first film might not be nearly as relevant because it's outdated. Is it the parents only? And I think Jack doing the blend makes complete sense. Um, mm, yeah, but again, really trying to tread both lines and no, entirely, I can see that audiences yeah. in a way. And Katie the being a thing, teacher, hoping there's going to be a big like revival thing of mm. like Mean Girls are still relevant. It's twenty years ago, but teens still like it, right? Mm. I mean that that would absolutely I could 
see it's the happening marketing. a little bit at the moment because Lindsay yeah. Lohan's trying to make a comeback. So. Yeah, there's also tons of nostalgia for. On that little, uh, yeah. I mean, less two thousands, but the nineties and except, but you still have like, you know, people losing their fucking minds about a Spider-Man from you yeah. know the same sort of time <laughs> period. So that that you know the audience is there in a capacity. Um, it's That's a very good point. I hadn't thought about. That. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> the idea. Like, Maguire just like, came back and was a thing. Like yeah, yeah. people just go, oh shit, okay. Um, so I don't think that you have a problem there. I think I think making it one person rather than all work, they're all that all kids are all connected. I think keeping the connections as minimal as possible makes sense because where you have something like yesterday, there was an episode of Dairy Girls, and they, it was a flashback to a high school reunion. Weirdly enough. Yeah, from from to nineteen ninety seven to nineteen seventy seven, so it's a twenty years sort of thing, and all the four the four main sort of kids, well, there's five of them, but you know, are represented by their mothers basically, uh, and it's it's like, but that feels about right because it's Derry and it's like, yeah, you know, it's a small, it's well, it's not a small town, but you know, it is kind of small towny in that regard, especially with an island, so that is kind that makes complete fucking sense um it, it makes it makes sense that like janice is not going to hang around in whatever that, that town 100%. is after high school yeah, that thought. <laughs> there's not bounce. a chance in hell janice and stays with kevin g and has a like yeah like a you know teen sweetheart type bollocks no. or yeah. stays in evans town near illinois or whatever the fuck it is yeah yeah no but yeah. no but that's not that's not how it, i don't see that working no. at all i see certain people or, being or there, if but... you, if you're gonna do that, you have to make a real joke of it. Of like, yes, weirdly, like they got married when they were like 19, and you know she's horribly. now a housewife. You know, and it's yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's the initial problem. I think the the, I think it's gonna still hit. I think Tim's right. You, you I know it's not, the final paragraph is a longer sequence, but I feel like it needs to be more integral because you're mm. going to get so many people a bit riled by it but but again i do i think what you've done here is literally i wouldn't say the best outcome but definitely the best you could have made of it in the situation it's to keep people placated and happy i think that's very because my only <laughs> thing is if i was going this i would have i would have probably ditched the teenagers entirely and the whole high school drama and had it be just reunion stuff a gross point blank um that <laughs> Katie or mm. somebody else, Audrey goes off the fucking grid and goes like and say, "What the fuck happened to you?" Mm. And then you have this almost mystery level unsolving of like, "Oh, I'm doing this now." Thing. If I, I'm assuming Matt has seen it, mm. uh, it's a film called Ten Years, yes, uh, which is about a ten-year high school reunion. Oh, no. It's got uh, Channing Tatum, Oscar Isaac. It's like ridiculously star-studded mm. for a very small film. Um, yeah, Channing Tatum, Oscar Isaac, Justin Long, Kate Mara, a whole bunch of people. Um, I I don't know if it was made like slightly earlier in their career and then came out a bit later, mm. but um, yeah, it's uh, that, that's that's a a really interesting film and, and purely focuses on the reunion, mm. um, but also only kind of works because you haven't seen those people's high school experience, so it's kind of yeah exploring and going back to those relationships. Yeah, I, so. I I do know this film. Um, I think I've seen it in fact. Um, and it, it's similar to um. Man on Earth, the film I brought up a couple of times oh, on the show, yeah, okay. oh, yeah. where like it's a bunch of people gathering together and having a conversation and un- unfolding their backstories through that conversation, kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I mean, Man on Earth is good. Also, Ten years also, is very also, yeah. yes. It's got yeah. Oscar Isaac playing the guitar in it. It's, it's true. It, it do. It do. Here, Hippopotamus. <laughs> um, Hippopotamus. <laughs> so yeah, so I I don't envy what you've had to do here, Jack. Um, I think you've done a great job with it. 
all things considered. Um, yeah, I thought of sprinkling in the the Katie still keeping in touch with Janice maybe and having her come in a bit earlier and going to Janice rather than her parents straight away when she's having problems with Frankie or whatever, something like that, and having I, a few yeah, more kind I of did... corner touches there with the with the original cast. I did. I wasn't super certain on on having her parents play like quite a major role in it because they're not they're, they're barely not in the in original. The one, yeah. I'd almost be tempted to have Ms. Norbury come back and like give her. I did think about that the, as well because I because I think the other thing is is that it it takes a little bit of her agency away that her like dad swoops in and fixes the problems. Um, with Frankie, because I think that women needs to kind of... don't know how to be parents, Tim. <laughs> exactly. Um. These mean girls exactly. will never be good moms. It's all called mean boys, isn't it? There, there um, was a rumored sequel called Bad Moms or something like that. Uh, yeah, Mean Moms. Yeah, Mean Moms. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And then we actually got Bad Moms or whatever the fuck it was called. Yes. Yeah, it got and green, a Bad Moms Christmas. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think I think yeah maybe if it's if it's Janice or Miss Norbury like talking it through with her and having Katie like more come up with the kind of solution mm. rather than having her parents come in, I think would, yeah. would probably work I like better. That idea, but yeah. Yeah. I also, yeah. there's something else I think um, from the teen side of a story, I like, I can, I can see the flow as we said earlier, I can see working because of Wild and because of the cast specifically. I'm like, mm. I, I, can, I can see this working. The TikTok side of it is, I would trust it to work, but it's so... It's so locked into that specific platform that you'd kind of possibly have to have TikTok sign off on it, which would be, I don't know how mm. they go down with that. Yeah. I mean, China doesn't give a shit. But uh, yeah, the, reason, <laughs> the reason I bring it up is because uh, it's because of just the nature of what TikTok is and the sound based thing and blah, 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 blah. But the, the reason I think is I don't, I feel like there needs to be something in a bigger stake for the kids. Something that's more heightened or shocking or something that's really... That, like, and I, I mean this in a strange way, teen jeopardy, where it feels like the end of the world to them. Well, in, interestingly, I quite liked that the teens seemed like they kind of had their shit together. Mm. Like, yeah, there's Gen obviously... Alpha. That was conscious, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's like, Are obviously... Gen, Gen Z? I don't know what they at this point. But who knows? <laughs> Fucking... Would, well, yeah. They would be... With, I think these are all born in like 2004. Gen generations are all fake. That's fair, yeah, that's fair. Agreed, yeah. Tim. Agreed. Sorry, do carry on. Do carry um, on. Yeah. So it, I, it, maybe this is just you know time and distance and being disconnected from actual teens and stuff like. And obviously, teenagers still have drama and everything. It's good like to know that. you're disconnected from the teens in your thirties. Yeah, Tim. That's good to know. Yeah, make clarify. Um, but I think just the general better awareness of stuff like mental health nowadays means that kids have a little bit of a one-up in terms of like how they go through high school unfortunately I'd the internet so, kind but, of yeah the internet kind of erases that because it just gives them more channels to be awful to each other yeah um, but oh. i think i think there's a there's a i like that the the there doesn't seem to be the the kind of the clique nature that obviously mean girls had the lines between the groups seem a lot like blurrier um yep. and you even that, that was them. a conscious decision for sure yeah and and i think there's kind of 
I feel like there's the the nugget of something there of like having the parents still like obsessed with like quite petty things and then the teens who are just like what are you even doing <laughs> yeah I, I get um, that because i think i think i feel like the thing that would help the film is something we can't necessarily do here uh unless jack goes into a lot of research which is to do a non-fiction um paper a research a book basically yeah um to to uh, like the original mean girls because it's like what is the landscape right now uh is it that because uh, Tim's right, I think. I think kids are more switched on and engaged. I mean, I do two things. One, they are more conscientious of this stuff because of the world they've grown up in and the world they're mm. expected to go into. And the fact that the the, individ- the generations that raise them um, are more outspoken about, oh, you need to do, you know, our, our generation told, you know, you can be anything, you can do anything you want. And then realizing, oh, no, mm. don't, oh, God, I, I kind of want just a job and a house, please. Nope. Like the fact that it's such a big deal in the first film when in their in their middle school days mm. that regina accused janice of being a lesbian whereas like now you would hope that that is uh, yes just a th- yeah 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 that's like water yeah. off the duck's back I'm, you know? I'm assuming quite a few queer characters in here just yeah yes that, the, 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 within the, the, the subtext that i would i vaguely imply that Izel is possibly asexual yes um there's a yeah yeah vaguely and it's and it not being a big deal no no that's the point yeah, it's we, being we re- would hope a, it would be a reflection of how society currently is the other thing as well that, that's why they think the social media is a really good thing is i don't think we really appreciate half the time how camera ready these kids are oh mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's insane that, that was a factor so i found it absolutely terrifying partly what inspired this when i was thinking like, okay i'm gonna go with the the new generation the next generation the new mm. class whatever I'm going to look up, man, I hate doing this when I do my pictures. Actors born in 2004. Sure. Actors born in 2006. Every fucking time. Famous birthdays. I'm like, okay, cool, fine. Yeah, it's them. all fucking influences. It's TikTok star, TikTok star, TikTok star, TikTok dancer, TikTok star, YouTube star, Instagram mm-hmm. influencer, TikTok star, TikTok dancer. I'm like, none of you fuckers are actors. And they'll be like, blah, blah, blah. Movie actor, brilliant. Who are you? What have you been in? Okay, thank God you're decent. Let me get you in the film. Like, it was ridiculous scrolling through that. Thankfully, I'd seen pretty much everyone apart from Kylie Cantrell, um, who I've like I said, I've heard her voice in Ron's Gone. That's Wrong, a performance. You like, still, yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. Mm. She she's good in that film. I'm like, that's fine by me. Yes, I have yeah. not seen Gab the Gabby Duran multiple series or the pilot or whatever the fuck that was. Mm. Some Disney Channel nonsense. But like, yeah, consciously picking young actors i've seen in stuff so i know they're good rather mm. than i did think like ah, do i just like there's a bunch of tiktok people out there and i was like no that's a that's a bad bad road to go down yeah <laughs> they're, they're yeah. often quite problematic as well <laughs> and i think like without turning it into was it men women and children that jason reitman film that was mm. all about like teens oh, sexting and stuff oh, like that yeah like without turning it into the comedy version of that like, I think that's a really interesting angle to take on, like, where is, essentially, like, where what is teenage life like now mm. of that idea of, like, they are all living their lives online, like, even the ones who are, like, nerdy are, like, Twitch streamers and stuff yep. like that. And it's, and I think there's a whole angle to examine there as well of, like, you know, what does it do to this generation to have no, like, have erased their own like sense of privacy and and all that kind of stuff um yeah i think i think like matt says like 
we almost need some like sociological research studies that we could dig into yeah. to <laughs> to uh mm. to get some really uh trenchant insights but mm. We'll just yeah, go out on the I, streets I, and ask some teens what we find. Yeah, just, just you know, just approach them at the, and some teens. The, the shopping mall or the soda hop yeah. or something. Yeah. The, the burger joints. The yeah. roller rink. <laughs> um, the Shake Shacks. That's a cheap place. Yeah. <laughs> That's a brand. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I th- I think, like, overall, like, you've done a really good job, Jack, because it a, it's a really hard one to yeah. think yeah. of a sequel, Very like, how to craft a sequel for. Um, and I think you've got really good like bones here. Mm. I think it just needs a few different aspects, like yep. teasing out of it. Um, but that's the thing. I could, I could, I could see this as the launch pad into something really. Uh, mean Girls, co- the musical, the TV show, the musical, or whatever that <laughs> high school musical thing it's called. No, Mean Girls, the Sea Life show. <gasps> yes. <laughs> Um, no, I can see we, this being mention of penguins. Dolphins. Yes, I can see this being like really, really launching into something really good. Um, again, it's, it's just weirdly enough. Maybe that might be it. Just that, just that, the scientific backing to say this is what studies show us, and it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is we'll what just, the teens are up. We'll to just push a bit days. more of that because um, I think otherwise you will always end up with here's what I remember from school thirty mm. years ago, twenty years ago, fifty years ago. Whoever's writing this, mm. um, <laughs> back in my day. I very much tried to avoid that. I realise it's a 31-year-old man writing a bunch of 18-year-old characters who it's were played by actors who will be 18 but are currently 16. <laughs> See, I think sake. they will but inform think... more of the situation. And even then, Olivia Wilde's going to be... She's fucking older than me, I think. And so... She, she's she is. She's yeah. 38. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, then she's but she, my age. She's slightly younger than you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there we go. Yeah. Oh. But, but equally, like... Like, no, you, book, have you just books. turned thirty-eight, Matt? I have turned thirty-eight. Yeah, so she's a month older than you. There you go. Uh, Booksmart is such a film that feels like it has its finger on the pulse of like what teenagers exactly. are like. Exactly. And like the uh, the reason that it's like that, I presume, and I'm pretty sure from like having read a little bit about like the making of it and stuff, is that she's very collaborative and she was mm-hmm. like welcoming of like these young actors saying like, you yeah. know, oh, this should be like this, and you know. So I think she'd be really good at at nailing that stuff, and she'd be very welcoming to these actors bringing their own like you know experiences to it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it it part of me is like Olivia Wilde's almost like too good a director to to to, uh, rude, to, rude. to do on a on a Mean Girls two because I think she'd make it visually really... Like, there's nothing visually interesting about the original Mean Girls. It's shot it's like very... a Paul Feig. Like, everything's exactly. kind of bright and just-in-case comedies. It, it's, it's early 2000s. Everything was shot like it was yeah. clear. Um, yes. And the Mean Girls 2 is shot for TV. But, yeah, this would... F- without being incredibly rude, this would look like a film. Yeah. Like <laughs> actual cinema. It would look like, like an actual movie. Like Booksmart does. Yeah. Um, but then also... In the late 2000s, early 2010s, Superbad did the same thing. Because yep. mm. I think Mean Girls, Superbad, and Booksmart. Like every 10 years, you get a really fucking. And then Clueless, you get a really fucking good. And then maybe one mm. of the Hughes films in the 80s. You get a really good, good, like, this is a pretty good representation of kids in America, basically. Um, mm. And because and it, people it, still it, reference The Breakfast Club, like, nearly 40 years later. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I feel like. 
Fast Times is Respond probably yeah. more like as good as I think Breakfast Club's a better film, but Fast Times might be a closer might be representation a closer of what yes, yeah, yeah. Fair. reality fair. is like. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, I, again, as we've said, a really deceptively difficult one to fix. Because it's like, oh, fuck, I love Mean Girls. Can't wait to talk about that. Oh, Mean Girls 2. What a piece of shit. How do you do a Mean Girls 2? It's like, <laughs> oh, God. Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> In space? Yes. It's all about the next math competition on the movie. Maybe it's in space. Yes, you did a good job, Jack. Um, again, a bit of pumping is all we need in this thing, but. Uh... <laughs> I've heard that before. Well, let me know what you thought, listeners. Please do hit us up on social media. We are Sequelizers on all the various social medias. We can also go to sequelizers.com and find our Discord. You can find all the streams that have happened on our YouTube channel, archived on the live streams page. Also coming up, as I said, at the end of the month to our Champion of Champions tournament of all the best ones that we've picked from the 16 previous tournaments that we've done with various special guests. And it's going to be very, very difficult to pick. So that's going to be interesting. And yeah, like I said, we'll have new merch launching with that. We've passed our five-year anniversary. We're going to kind of save it for that live stream to kind of launch it all at the same time and all that kind of stuff. And not to toot our own horn, specifically to toot John Scarrett's horn, if you will. I think it's the best, coolest designed merch we've got had so far. I yeah, agree. I would agree. Tim, you came mm-hmm. up with an idea. We all kind of bounced some like thoughts around and stuff, and John fucking hit it out knocked of the park. It out the, knocked yeah. it out of the park, yeah. <laughs> I went to say nailed it out of the park, and I don't know why. <laughs> beat that boy with a bat. He beat that boy with a bat. So yeah, get hyped for that, listeners. That is coming up at the end of May. And by the time you're hearing this, that'll be like in a week, basically. So yeah, coming up very, very soon for you. If you'd like to hit me up on social media, I am JLW Chambers. I am about to get married. So, you know, I will be married by the time you hear this. So congratulate me on my wedding. Hopefully it went well. The the sequelizers will be there, including... Buy him a toaster. Yeah, buy me a toaster. Exactly. All three of us will be there. Um, some people from the Super Abit Power Hour will be there. It's already happened, listeners. It's already happened. They're like, oh shit, maybe I can like stalk them and go to it. It's like, no, you can't. You can't. It's already happened. You'll see a reunion with Ashens and stuff. It'll be lovely. Mm. Anyway, Matthew, how can people follow you on the internet? Stogs, S T O G H Z, on all the social medias, including TikTok. Oh no. You're one of those cool TikTok kids. Maybe I should have cast you as one I am of my most definitely sixteen not. to eighteen year old teens. My most recent TikTok was a Blu-ray about the nineteen sixty-six movie Andrei Rublev from Russia, and it got <laughs> like a couple of thousand views. So it's still alright, actually. But that's not the point. Yes, I'm also uh, the Red Right Hand for my reviews. Cheesemint.com for the things that I make. Uh, is that all my stuff? No, so, uh, sumo? sumo Drop. I do the Sumo Drop podcast. Over on the BBG Wrestling channel via bbgwrestling.com and some other stuff. I think this episode will go out, weirdly enough, just in time for me to say this coming weekend, like right fucking now, as you're listening to this on Patreon, maybe, I'm at MCM in London with Ashens. So in theory, if you're in London, you might be able to come to the booth and say, oh shit, where are the others? And I'm like, it's um, just me, motherfucker. And I'm if you do wife. see Matt in person, you might even have some of that sweet new merch to be given out. 
So. Maybe, maybe. Not t-shirts, the other thing. The other thing. Mm. The fists. Mostly fists. Uh, Tim, if I was to write about you in a book <laughs> and write your name down, what would I say, Tim? What code name would I use? Uh, you would say, uh, this fuggly slut <laughs> is trivia <laughs> underscore lad on Twitter. Tim uh, Magdam is the skankiest fuggly slut. Wrong, Tim. It's true. I'd have it's written nothing. True. You'd have written it and put your own picture in, you fucking oh, Machiavellian yeah. Tim's bastard. Tim's the Regina of the group. Oh, my God. You 26-year-old yeah. piece of shit. <laughs> uh, and I, um, yeah, that's, that's me on Twitter. And because I'm a, a grown-ass man, I barely use any other social media. I realized I haven't posted on Instagram uh, since before Christmas the other day. So I'm coming up on six months without a photo on there. Nice. So, yeah. Uh, so just, just follow me on Twitter. It's fine. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, like I said, if you want to go and support us, you can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers. We understand still pretty tough financially these days. If you would like to support us in other ways, please do review us on various podcasting apps, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all that kind of stuff. They all have a little review section, and that helps for free to spread the good word of sequelizers and help mm. us access more listeners and climb in the rankings and all that shit that I do for a day job that I still don't fully understand about podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Or even, even if you've already reviewed us, just tell a friend that you like yeah. the show. Do that. In, in, in real life. That would be lovely. Run get off your them. get off your phones, you teenagers. Talk to a real person. Get, get on your phone. Fuck and that. And listen to more podcasts. Safer. Anyway, we'll be back next week with something decidedly different, completely different. Don't give me that mm, sort of look, Matthew. Mm. It's very different. It's mm. a lot more recent as well than Mean Girls or Mean Girls Two. Mm. So there's a little tease for you, folks. And yeah, until then, I hope you have a lovely week and thanks for listening. Four for you, Glen Coco. You go, Glen Coco. <laughs> <laughs>